Today on the show, we cross the river of death, begin life as a stepdad, and practice communism. that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Lawrence. I'm Connor. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that supposed to say? I was supposed to say that. That's, I got that. I was like, oh, shit, they didn't say. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. shit, that I didn't remember. Well, as you can hear now, we have, a, we have a special guest on today's episode. You may have heard him on such podcasts as Winds Howling or On the Path, which is now a Last of Us podcast. We have the walking, talking Texan himself, Brett Saravantes, the Fox Bride. Howdy, howdy, partners. Welcome. I pulled out a good bottle for y'all. I'm drinking a Weller Foolproof. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I think Joel would approve. Brett's obsessed with The Last of Us, like the rest of us. And so we've been, this, this episode has basically been um, just like a long time coming. Especially considering that there are there is some talk of communism. So like, come on now, how could we not have bread on this episode? <laughs> I'd say that's when the the anthem clip needs to come in, right? There. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah. it comes. That's actually yeah. That should come up when Tommy like realizes they're communists. Someone needs to make that to oh, where yeah. it just turns red and the anthem starts <laughs> playing over his confused look. Yeah, we're uh, yeah. This is uh, this episode's all about class consciousness awakening and. Uh, the revolution that's yeah I, I think all the other themes are really going to fall by the wayside yeah, that that and the great american <laughs> game of baseball like it's so this episode has everything so but baseball before, yeah baseball oh, yeah. football you mean football, no there's right? baseball there's <laughs> i remember specifically there being a baseball bat in this episode so oh yeah the bat okay mm. oh that too there you go okay so yeah there's the discussion of first downs and turnovers and then uh yeah, and yeah, it, it, it is the great American <laughs> episode: baseball, football, and communism. Yeah, this is like this has everything Absolutely. and alcohol, and, and alcohol yeah, and yeah. hunting. Yeah, yeah, there you go. What an episode! Yeah. So, but before we get started, and it's an episode that is basically jam packed with everything that a Texan would love, we have a little bit of housekeeping that we need to do. That's right. We uh, always love to hear from our listeners, so uh, don't be shy. Feel free to uh, email us anytime you'd like at podcast at loreparty.com with your thoughts, questions, episode ideas, uh, any comments you want to share with us, who knows, we might read them on a future episode. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can find Lawrence at produced by underscore LK. Remember that underscore, it's important. At, at produced by underscore LK on Twitter and Twitch. Yes, and you can find Connor at Connor Howard VO. That is Connor with an ER on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And you can find him on his website at ConnorHowardVO.com with the ER. That's right. And speaking of, uh, Brett, where can, our finder, uh, where can our viewers find you if they'd like to hear more from you? Uh, it would be Instagram and Twitch at the Fox Bride. Twitter is the Fox Bride 4. And as far as, take two, as far as 
Uh, on the path, it's available every, everywhere. You can search that up there. And as of right now, the social handles for that are Witcher Podcast. But those will be changing uh. in the near future. <laughs> but for now, go to at Witcher Podcast to find that out. Do you have a national divorce from the Witcher? It's no, it's more or less we're opening up our relationship. <laughs> Not filing like, for separation. Yeah, you go like like the last of, of us, you know, doing the last of us in here. So God. Yeah, no. I, yeah, see it, little known fact, a Witcher is actually just a person who really likes the last of us. That's uh, you know, we're uh, we're cl- claiming that term for the fandom. And they travel around with yeah, you know, they both travel around with kids. An adopted it's true. Yeah, like it's an adopted daughter, a grizzled old man. It's basically the same thing. Just it's, with magic. It's close enough. Yeah. And of course you can always connect with the entire lore party team if you'd like at Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at lore underscore party. Yes. And so before we kick off this most exciting episode, we're gonna take a quick break right here. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Okay, we're back. And before we dive into the synopsis of episode six of The Last of Us on HBO titled Kin, uh, this is your first and only official spoiler warning. If you haven't watched this episode yet, uh, now would be a good time to pause, go get caught up, and then come right back because we're about to get into uh, all of it, all the spoilers. Uh, so you have been warned. The spoilers start here. Yes. I also have some video game thoughts too. So those are going to pop up. Mm-hmm. Be prepared. Yeah, if you haven't played the game, you're probably that's probably also going to be spoiled for you too. Wait, I haven't played so. the game. Are we going to talk about the game? Ooh, Wait, you haven't played awkward. the game? I'm kidding. Uh, Lawrence, you know say, I oh, have. I, I was no, about to say, wait a minute. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> Y'all were like, uh-oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the fuck, man? I swear to God, you played should, this we game. We need to rethink this Wrong guest. guest yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back. Back. Yeah. Oh, Brett had to leave. He had to go back yeah. to his home planet right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was just a preview of what it would look like <laughs> if we had Brett on the show. Well, <laughs> oh, then Brett needs to go play the game real quick, and then we'll be right back. Yeah, God damn it. Yeah, so episode five of The Last of Us, which was Endure and Survive, uh, concluded with uh, obviously a very, we all recall the shocking, dramatic, tragic ending of that episode. And that kind of leads us into number six here, because episode six starts with a flashback to uh, Henry, who we met in episode four, um, just shooting himself in front of Joel and Ellie, which was, you know, again... Uh, like we discussed last time, never gets any easier to watch. And, uh, you know, this this came after he was forced to kill his younger brother, Sam, who had infected or who had been infected and was attacking Ellie. So that, you know, that that's shown to us at the beginning of episode six here because I, that's going to come up later. Um, and a, a reminder of what Joel and Ellie have been through, the, the struggles they've had so far. So why do y'all think they showed this flashback? Because I can understand that they would show it on like a show that came out 20 years ago that was like syndicated on TV where you might not have had it. <laughs> but in this, they literally do a recap before the episode and it's streaming. You can kind of watch it anytime. So I was kind of surprised True, yeah. that they did it. The only thing I can think of is it's going to be because of the time jump they're about to show. That That's part of it. Yeah, because we always yeah, skip ahead a few months. Um, but yeah, you're right. Because like when you watch this show on HBO, um, it's yeah, you get that recap anyway. But I think, you know, 
in the conversation that Joel has with Tommy later, he kind of mentions the Henry and Sam situation. So I, I guess like the directors were like, just in case the viewers skip the recap, we want them to. We want to make sure they remember. We let's go ahead and traumatize. Relive them again, this just trauma, goddammit. Extra safe that they remember. Yeah, yeah, and if you saw, yeah, you saw it one time, and you're like, I, I don't want to, I don't want this recap, and then it's like, too bad. Boom again. I think they're also. <laughs> yeah. I also like to think that they're looking out for the pirates out there who won't have the recap when they watch it. That's very fair. Someone needs to think about the pirates. From won't time to somebody time. think of the pirates? <laughs> Somebody please <laughs> think of the pirates. <laughs> this is the best way to start this episode. I'm yeah, as I'm just throwing like the stick in the spokes of y'all's show. I'm just I need to <laughs> like pull it. Okay. Well, hey, we, yeah, you're here to change, shake things up. Yeah, that's, that's why you up. had all that whiskey. Well, no, I've only had a few sips. Wait until <laughs> wait until we get about halfway through. <laughs> we'll see. Wait till it hits five here, then I can actually do it. <laughs> all right, so Ken. Begins with a flashback to the horrific end of the last episode. And after this reminder, previously mentioned, we jumped to three months later. And I'll admit, I missed that on the first go around. I knew it kind of jumped to move around, but I didn't see that. Mm -hmm. Where a man returns to his cabin in the snow after hunting and finds his wife held at gunpoint by Joel. The man puts his gun down. And when he asks his wife why she didn't shoot him, she says, because the gun was all the way over there. And there, there was my line of the show already. Like, that was just the greatest thing. <laughs> that was beautiful. In there. Yeah. And that uh, he didn't hurt anybody. And she even makes him soup. Joel says that he's looking for his brother, and the man immediately says he hasn't seen him. Didn't take much time to think about it. The woman also reveals that Joel has a girl with him, and we see Ellie was hiding on the second floor. Joel tells her not to come down, but if she does anyway, because she doesn't fucking listen to anybody. Ellie, with gun in hand, comes down. The couple laughs at the little psycho, and Joel asks the man to show him the map where they are. And this actor is Graham Greene, legendary. If you watch a lot of movies, especially... Mm -hmm mainstay in the 90s not just with native american roles and he's a member of the first nations of canada he was in one of mm -hmm. my favorite movies of all time and my favorite die hard movie die hard with the vengeance the third mm -hmm. one where he just plays like a random regular new york city detective so i was loved to see this guy in this role yeah me too no this was this was a treat because uh yeah graham green is a powerhouse he's great and also uh who plays his wife uh marlon and florence here they're played by uh, Graham Greene, obviously, but also the actress Elaine Miles, who uh, Graham Greene and Elaine Miles appeared together in a sitcom in the 90s called Northern Exposure. Did you watch that show? No, but I, I heard about it after seeing this. But what I know Graham Greene from is he was in a movie from, I think, a few years back uh, called Wind River. Amazing movie. Very, very dark, brutal. But um, it, it takes place in the real life Wind River Reservation in Wyoming, which he he actually mentions in this scene, the Wind River Reservation, which is in real life shared by the Arapaho and Shoshone tribes. So, uh, no, just really cool, like little tidbits here. And just seeing these actors like show up was no, they, they were so much fun in this scene. Big time. I didn't know any of this. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> so like, damn education today. Damn, I didn't know Graham Greene or any of this. So, like, shit. So the man's answer disappoints Joel. The man says he hasn't heard of Tommy, and the woman clearly hasn't heard of the Fireflies either. When Joel asks for advice on going west, the man says, yeah, go east. And, and to never go past the river because uh, that part of the river is death. Which I thought that was, was kind of interesting because like in the game, it never Jackson was never set up like this place where not a lot of people were welcome. Like right. as we go to as we go to find out later, you know, jumping ahead a little bit. But like 
I thought that that was that was strange that like this place has this bad reputation. Um, and as they say, like, uh, you know, they never see who is past the river, but they see bodies. So uh, it's like infected and non-infected. So we get a sense that like people go to a certain part of river, the river, they encounter something, they get killed. And then most likely they're lining the bodies. They're, they're placing the bodies where they can be seen so that people that are passing through um, you know, know not to fuck with this area. Mm-hmm. See, I was kind of hoping to right. see that. They didn't show that, did they? No. Yeah, we didn't yeah, see like, like bodies on display. How did they get that right? reputation? I was hoping they were just going to show that because yeah. it would have been, I think, a very good lead up into it as Ellie and Joel kind of walk by and they see bodies strung yeah. up or a sign in there or something in there uh, to kind of visualize it. That would have been cool. Yeah, because yeah, I wanted to, because like, th- I felt like they were trying to jump in ahead a little bit. I do think that they were trying to draw parallels between Joel and uh tommy's wife to an extent um Mm -hmm. and i think like that would have been been good to kind of to kind of showcase that because i feel like in the beginning as we'll talk about later they're they're they tried to do that in this episode they try to be like hey you guys are sort of similar um Mm -hmm. but you know um i thought the interesting part about this is is like yeah they, they said they lined the bodies up um and, and they told him that Tommy would be gone if he's like west of the river or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, they, you know, ask Ellie if she's scared and she's like, or they ask if you guys are scared and Ellie isn't obviously, but then they were like, yeah, Joel is, Joel seems scared. And so like mm-hmm. Joel's just like not moving there, and I, which is kind of weird because once again, you play the game, you're not used to seeing Joel show any emotion, let alone fear. Um, yeah. So, you know, they get the information and they're they're going to peace out. And, um, you know, as they like leave the couple's property, Joel stops and grabs his chest and looks like he was having a heart attack for a second. I was like, damn, did they make Joel that old? <laughs> like, I know he's five years older, but like, shit, I thought Joel was like literally about to just like peace out in this episode. But he's like, the, yeah. The way, I mean, as someone who's had panic attacks before, uh, I, I kind of knew right off, like, okay, well, the breathing, the the kind of, like, just, the, the I guess the breathing was the giveaway for me, but, like, I, I liked the way this was presented. It's like, no, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty relatable. It's pretty lifelike, the way he just kind of doubles over and tries to catch his breath, and it's, uh, you know, it's obviously anxiety getting to him, fear getting to him, which, uh, like you said, Lawrence, it's new for us, having played the game, like, no, we don't. We didn't expect to see that at all, for me at least. I'm not sure how helpful Ellie was as she just blurts out, (laughs) dude, you fucking dying? Yeah. (laughs) I don't think that's the proper response. Yeah, especially when you're already having a panic attack. Like, because, like, that feeling that you get is just, like, an overwhelming sense of dread and, like, you're getting pushed down and it feels like you're dying. But, yeah, Yeah. like, hey, are you dying over there? And, like, you got this, like, annoying kid that just keeps asking you questions (laughs) over and over again. Yeah, like, what's going on? Hey, man. Hey, hey, hey. How are you doing? Hey, hey. And I'm just. (laughs) She might might as well have been doing that. Do you have any games on your phone? Yeah. Like, like that kind of the same sort of thing you'd want to. like. You'd hear from a kid. And what I what I really like in this this um scene and then we can you know um we jump over the next part like while he's regaining his composure one of the things that she says to him that's just like you know we we see this more throughout the episode is she's like you know hey if you die i'm fucked mm-hmm. like and it's it's funny because up until this point it's like that's just kind of been their their dynamic and so it's it you're we're used to ellie not being serious but like we find out that this is a little bit more serious than uh it it initially comes off right 
on on that note you brought up there about Ellie not being as serious, when we left, at, when last episode ended, you know, she was very much somber. You know, she left that. It's not an etch a sketch. The little writing thing said, "I'm sorry." The slave, and it's like, yeah. all right, Joel, which way is so and so? Okay, let's go. And then we don't really see that here. We don't really see her mourn. We don't really see her almost compartmentalize what happened before. Mm. We jump three mm. months later. It's the one thing I would like to say that I did not like about it is I thought at the end of last week's episode, at the end of episode Endure and Survive, episode five, I literally thought, okay, Ellie's going to change. We're going to see something in there. And it didn't happen. Am I alone in mm. that? That's a fair point. I, I, I guess, you know, what I think about is I, I think about parallels to the game a lot in the game around this time of the game when they're in Wyoming and they're looking for Tommy. Uh, they come across a grave and that reminds Ellie of, oh, I forgot to give Sam that robot I found for him or whatever. Yeah. And Joel shuts it down. He's like, I don't want, don't, we don't talk about that. It happened. We move on. Like he's doing the compartmentalizing thing. And Ellie in the game says, what? I want to talk about it. Like she wants to process it with him, <clears throat> but Joel's not you know willing to do that. So yeah, in the show, we don't really see anything of the sort where Ellie's trying to get over it and struggling with it. Um, I, and I guess what I would say to be fair, like what I'd be to be generous to the show is like, it's been three months. Maybe she got over it in that time, but like, yeah, it's, it didn't really come up again, uh, other than the flashback. So that's, that's not, that's not a bad see, point. To me, it's like, if that didn't affect her, maybe it'll come up later. Maybe it will. Like, I'm not yeah. saying this is it. We obviously haven't seen the last episodes, but if it did not affect her, then it's almost in a way like what, what was the point of it? You know, because I thought as soon as it happened, like, okay, this is going to change Ellie. She kept messing around. She kept putting this defense mechanism up of cracking jokes about it. And another person yet dies in it. We do see her mention later on, everybody I've known coming to contact with has either died or left me. So I guess that could be it. But yeah, I was just mm -hmm. disappointed that this was not addressed more. Because if they would have put that in there, like you said, the graveyard scene, I think that would have been great mm -hmm. as to yeah, show it. it. And it would have yeah. shown that Joel still has his defenses up too. It's almost like the death of Hen the deaths of Henry and Sam in the game affected Ellie more, but in the show they affected Joel more. It's yeah, almost like they, they flipped a little bit. Yeah. 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 No, I'd agree with that. I think see in this scene. Okay. I, I will say I wasn't disappointed because I feel like what they're trying to show is that Ellie's like, Ellie doesn't have as much room to push stuff down as Joel does. So like, that's why it's like, I want to see what happens next. Cause, yeah. cause like, I think she has room, had room for this, like had room to, to compartmentalize it, but I don't think that she's got nearly as much room as Joel does. Yeah. King of compartmentalization over here. As we've said, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go write up a 750 word Reddit diatribe that this show sucks now and it's <laughs> yeah. ruined. Yeah, you ruined it. You ruined it. You're ruined. To, Total garbage. Yeah. You're, you're supposed to have a meaningful conversation over a child's grave. Yeah. L show. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Still, uh, yeah, uh, the show continues to fail in uh, showing me uh, Joel gathering up duct tape and razor blades and sneaking around an office building. Uh, I mean, until I see more of that, I'm off the wagon here. I can't. I can't put up with it anymore. And what Joel's <laughs> killed like two guys? Come on now. I by this point, I've killed like 45 people. Yeah, yeah those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those numbers yeah. up, man. HBO, get How on. How many it, zombies it has are infected? Sorry, has he killed in the show? <laughs> two. It's just two. the clickers. Well, well, the infected guy at the Capitol building, there's one. Uh, the the, the two cl clickers, I guess. And then did he uh, shot oh, the, a couple in the sniper? Oh, yeah. And and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I sniped a couple, yeah. And it's actually three humans because it's all of them are from Kansas. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> exclusively killed people from Kansas. He went crazy in Kansas. Like he couldn't yeah. tell. He couldn't tell who the infected was because it's Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, just all, all Kansas City because he got that dude Anthony, and then he got the two people that were you know fucked up the yep. S10. Brian. Oh, that's right. Two, he got yeah. the yeah. yeah Brian and the other two. He he. Everyone in Kansas City just looks infected. Yeah, he, <laughs> all gotta die. he really went to the like the, the the whole like Jackie Chan like I don't want any trouble. And can't, but he's like whooping your ass in Kansas City. But he got it. Hey, yeah, they won the trouble. Super Bowl that week. They can't have everything. They got to take it in stride. Oh yeah, yeah. You get you give and take. So it's getting dark. You know the the pair decide they'll try and cross the river in the morning, and they uh, they camp out for the night where they uh, they eat the rabbit they took from Marlon and Florence. <laughs> Uh, while uh, Joel's taping his shoes back together. I like this because that's a that's a detail about surviving in the wilderness that not a, not a lot of media will show you that your shoes will fall apart. When you're when you spent the last 3 months walking from <laughs> Missouri to Wyoming, your shoes will fall apart. Uh, and so yeah, I like that he's ta- taping his shoes back together with duct tape. So yeah, we're there we're around the fire eating rabbit, chilling out for the night and uh Joel actually shares some of his flask with Ellie, which is uh again, like little things you're seeing here of trust building up between them, like the the walls between like you know, when Joel viewed her as just cargo, I don't think any of this would have been happening. So some of the walls are starting to come down a little bit and they're just making small talk, you know. Uh Ellie wants to know, she's curious what happens after they find the fireflies and we'll, hypothetically the way they make the cure and everything works out, then what? Uh, so they start talking about the future, which, you know, people in their situation, they probably don't spend a lot of time talking about like the future. Cause in their situation, you know, tomorrow is all is, is as good as it gets really. So, you know, they're, you can notice here that Joel kind of flinches at the idea. Like he's not entirely comfortable with the idea that they're still together after the whole mission is over. Um, but he plays along. He says, uh, well, uh, maybe I'll get a farmhouse or something. Maybe I'll uh, raise sheep. <laughs> I'll start a, start a sheep ranch. So unexpected answer. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't peg Joel as a sheep guy. But see, it's see that what I liked about this is that answer. Like this is I'm jumping ahead. So if you haven't played the first yeah. or the second game, sorry. But like <laughs> this is uh, the the best the best part about this is like this is Ellie kind of did this in the second second game that that. I want a farmhouse with a sheep farm thing. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, ah, ah, I like that you guys like that you guys threw that in there. Um, That's true. But also like, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Like, you know, hey, the future isn't guaranteed. So why the hell are we talking yeah. about the future? Like the future is now. But if he's got a flask of something, he couldn't have been nursing that for three months. He's got to have a bottle in that backpack. So oh, he probably w- wondering what he's he- holding on to. Yeah. Here's what it is. Here's the callback. It's Beaujolais from Frank from Bill's house because Bill knew to pair rabbit with Beaujolais. Ooh, so there you, there go. you go. In the past <laughs> couple episodes, the one thing that they've showed us is that rabbit fits any style of life. It is a universal food. That's true. From surviving yeah. to like a high class, I own an entire town. Like rabbit is the shit. Everybody. Uh, the vegans might not like it, but otherwise it fits pretty much everybody. They all <laughs> definitely have to be dead. <laughs> they all definitely there are, have to. Okay, there are no, there are vegans. no vegans. I doubt the vegans yeah. are still yeah. alive. <laughs> no, they're still alive. They've just given it up. Yeah, they've, they've gone full mushroom because I feel like they're yeah. like, this is Mother Earth coming back. <laughs> that's true. They'd have to. Well, <laughs> plant-based society. Here I'm going to be a clicker. <laughs> they'd have to become that. Yeah. Jeez. It's uh, the ultimate vegan form. 
if any psych, if any of you psychos out there drink wine out of a flask, let me know. So Joel asks Ellie what she'll do, and she looks at the moon. Growing up in a quarantine zone where she was trapped by the ocean on one side and walls on the other in Boston, there was nowhere else to look but up. Ellie says she's read everything she could about space and that her favorite astronaut is Sally fucking Ride. Sally fucking Which Joel ride. managed to guess, which that was interesting, too, that he knew he knew which one yeah. it was. But then Ellie gets quiet and asks Joel if the vaccine will work, and she admits that she tried to save Sam by rubbing her blood into his bite wound. But Joel reassures Ellie, saying that if Marlene told them the fireflies could make a cure, they can too. Or they can do it. Joel says that he'll take first and second watch because apparently he doesn't ever need to sleep. Has he been doing this for three months? <laughs> Dude has not been going to sleep. Because it seems been, like, bro, know your yes, limits. Yes, they have this issue here, which I'll, I'll get to. I'm putting the card again before the horse. So Ellie can get some sleep. The next morning we see Joel has fallen asleep, but Ellie wakes up early and has decided to take second watch. Despite Joel's protesting and is insistent that he's responsible for her, Ellie shows that she can protect herself, that he's taught her what she needs to know, and she says that she's a natural. Is this the first time that this motherfucker has slept in three months that he didn't? If, <sighs> it it feels watch? like it's the first time he fell asleep since they like left Boston. Is he a yeah? Is he a German soldier invading France in World War II? Just methed out and can stay up for <laughs> seventy-two to ninety-six hours like they did. That's what was that in, has to be. That's it. what was in the flask. Yeah. <laughs> just pure meth. <laughs> the flask is liquid meth. <laughs> There's your history lesson right there. The German soldiers were literally methed up. Invading France, American airline, uh, American Air Force pilots too. Bomber crews were messed up. Also, were they both sides of the war? Okay. Oh yeah. I'm, okay, I didn't heard that. Oh, was yeah. it the everyone was messed okay. up? Because like literally, <laughs> like literally, the German soldiers were taking like the actual meth, like from like today and all that stuff. Like it was like invented. There. Oh, like crystal. It was like yeah. that same thing. They're just like, oh, now we'll just make this recreational, which I guess mm -hmm. is worse. I don't know which is worth worse: recreational meth or invading France in 1940. <sighs> That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> Just mix your meth into your coffee. You won't have to sleep. In your flask. <laughs> just liquid, slosh it around. That's liquid meth. Yeah. The, the Joel Miller special, the potion that keeps you going. You go. <laughs> anyway, even though she's done a good job, Joel insists that the next time he falls asleep like that, Ellie should wake him up. Yeah. Next time my meth coffee wears off, you need to you need to wake me up. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to sleep this time. I'm wondering, like, he did show her, like, he shows her how to take, like, how to keep watch, you know, how to do the high ground, uh, checker six, etc. Like, but man is is just. It's not that he doesn't trust her. It is that like he feels responsible to do all of this. Mm -hmm. So it's like fuck sleep, which is the worst thing ever because you have to. <laughs> actually watch this kid and make sure she's okay but I, yeah, yeah well, it's, it's, so. it's not just that they need sleep they're literally walking across the united states yeah yeah that's exactly but i also i also will say that i don't think he trusts her still and i think that's why if he did trust her i think he would sleep i think it has more to do with he just doesn't want to place that burden on her yeah. i think like it's kind of like a martyrdom sort of sort of complex with him like it has to be me it's like it's a protective, it's a protective instinct he has where he wants to protect her from that, but he he kind of couches it defensively, like don't do you know don't do what I say. Like it kind of comes out gruff, and uh, it comes out like he doesn't trust her. But I think deep down, it's more like it's a protective thing. He's a complicated guy. He's hard to read. Yeah, all the meth coffee, but uh, <laughs> meth and whiskey. <laughs> but, but I digress. Joel and Ellie cross a bridge over the river with no problem. And Ellie shows that she's trying to learn how to whistle. And Joel tell uh, and tells Joel that he should teach her how to hunt, which 
by now I'm I'm really surprised he hasn't done that. But yeah, whatever. You know, they come across a dam and another river in Ellie states. What if this river is the river of death? And soon after, a group of masked and armed people surround them on horseback, which how fucking convenient. And, uh, you know, the, the group separates Joel and Ellie and they bring out a dog who they say can smell infected. But I think that was bullshit, to be honest. Like we train. How do you tra- like I get dogs like I get I know I'm, I'm going into the weeds here, but I know you can train dogs to smell things like you can even train dogs to detect cancer. I get that. But like, mm-hmm. I just like, how do you, but like that, those are like special cases to prove that you can, how did they train this dog to smell someone who was infected? Well, I, I think it's, it seems like it comes naturally to dogs with cordyceps anyway, because remember the first episode, the neighbor's dog had gotten loose and was like kind of staring at the Nana uh, at the beginning. Oh yeah. Cause Nana was infected and the dog knew it. Oh yeah. That dog got the so, fuck out of Dodge though. That dog was like, oh yeah, he did the smart <laughs> thing. Was like, getting the hell save out of here. me. <laughs> but yeah, it almost seems like any like any dog, no matter like regardless of training, can just smell the cordyceps. And I guess if you you know raise it, if you reward it, you know you can train dogs like just hey, if you uh, if you maul a runner to death, we'll give you a treat. And you do that enough times, <laughs> you got a sniffer. Like, and I wonder, like, I guess animals, it's not like bad for an animal to like rip them. I'm I'm, I'm thinking way too much into this, but yeah, but like ultimately. <laughs> The dog checks both Ellie and Joel and clears them both. So like the dog, that's why I call it bullshit on this because the dog couldn't detect the fact that she was infected. Ah, yeah. Loophole. It was a little, it was, it was, it was bullshit, but it's um, also been yeah. 20 years. So, which is what, like 17 generations of dogs. I don't know. I'm not good with dog years or anything. Yeah. That's like, wait, 17 generations of dogs. That's like one dog. I don't know. I mean, How if long had, do dogs live? Like fifteen years. Oh, do they? Something like that. Yeah, that's oh, like yeah. one. That's like two generations. You make it sound like dogs live <laughs> yeah, five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had to do that mental math in my head. I was like, hold on. Like, wait, what? <laughs> I said I'm not good with years. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's plenty of time to like figure out. Oh no, dogs can can sniff it out, and if we train them the right way, then yeah, you got guard dogs. It's you know, people have been making dogs do jobs like that since the dawn of time. It makes checks out to me. But True. No, it isn't. It, you're you're right though, Lawrence. It is interesting that like Ellie obviously has cordyceps in her system, but the, the dog didn't sniff it out that time. So I don't know if it has to like be in their brainstem for a dog to actually detect it or something. Yeah, it's science mumbo jumbo this is also something we posited uh, on the path was this is a question for anybody out there who has trained like drug dogs or like you said cancer Mm. dogs like they would be able to know better off if something like this would be able to be done and the reaction of a dog to be able to do it yeah because they they also train the dog to attack so yeah that's actually a good question if you know the answer to this please send us an email because uh yeah if you're a dog trainer if you're a dog trainer <laughs> you think you could train a dog to sniff a mushroom virus because like i'm curious or maybe to find some we'd love to hear from you find some meth yeah. and coffee and a flask <laughs> <laughs> i'm not I'm not gonna stop that joke by the way <laughs> <laughs> no the meth coffee stays yeah so luckily the the you know luckily joel and ellie survived the encounter with the uh fungi sniffing dog and the Joel actually mentions that he's looking for his brother and uh, a woman in the group who seems to be kind of not necessarily in charge, but she's, you know, she takes charge and asks what her, what his name is. Says his name is Joel. It seems like that's good enough for them to be brought back to the, the, you know, the, the compound that this group of masked riders came from. And we see the community of Jackson, uh, a thriving, 
uh, compound with a with a a wall that looks like it was literally built from scratch with like you know scrap wood and metal. These people did the hard work to build a wall around their town, and uh, there's there's people here. There's families, kids, elderly folks, you know, just entire families playing, thriving, living their lives. Um, and uh, I, it made me think of uh, one of the lines from the game I really like, where Tommy says, "Remember when we thought people couldn't live like this anymore? Well, we're doing it." Uh, and so that made me think of, you know, I, I like that line a lot and it really is in my head when I see this like main street, uh, main street type thoroughfare where kids are playing and there's shops and people just kind of doing chores and going about their work. And, um, then as Tommy's or sorry, then as Joel's being led into the town on horseback, he sees Tommy, he sees his brother off in the distance, uh, working on a scaffold of some kind and just calls out to him, just yells his name, holds his hand up and, Tommy looks over with this look of disbelief on his face. Like they're both, they both can hardly believe what they're seeing and they run toward each other, hug each other. They're both overjoyed. And, uh, it's, uh, it, this, this brought it to my eye. This was a, this, this was a very heartfelt reunion. I love this scene. It was done really well. And, uh, it, it was, what, what was the cherry on top though, was Tommy asks Joel, what are you doing here? And Joel just kind of laughs and says, I'm here to save you. <laughs> and they, they both look around like, no one needs saving here. This is like the best place anyone could end up. And, you know, they just kind of laugh at the absurdity of it. They both laugh together. And it's just a beautiful scene. Really well done. Communist Jackson. One of, <laughs> one of the things Jackson. I did like about this scene is like you can see in the background, there's a lady in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, can you only like, like that is has to be like unheard of. Because like we saw in the last, you know, two episodes ago, what happened to someone who got shot in the spine? But like, you yeah. can also just imagine like, like someone um, like in in this world, it's almost nearly impossible to take care of someone with any sort of disability. So like, it's just like a testament mm-hmm. to like how thriving this community is. That's a really good point. Like this is a, a world in which it's literally the survival of the fittest. It's really down to that bare bones. If you can't, Uh, protect yourself you're dead but yeah in a in a place like this seeing that people with disabilities are still valued and taken care of like that's how you know you're back in civilization basically so that's yeah that's a really good point that's something i noticed too this is like a shangri-la that that exists outside of the other worlds that we've seen where the fedra the fireflies and all of that because yeah up until this point i don't think there's too much room for anybody with a disability but here, mm-hmm. it seems fine. And uh, Tommy, Diego Luna, a fellow Texan, so good to see him again. He looks <laughs> a lot better than Joel. This life, his life has been a little easier <laughs> yeah. since they've split up. A little less stressful, maybe. Little yeah. Joel looks like death walking. Yeah, when yeah. you, you know, when you quit the, uh, when you quit the bullshit military and you, like, also um, are not a smuggler like your brother. You get like you just like I like I I love I love seeing them next to each other. I was like, damn, because Tommy is not that much younger than than Joel. And I'm like, your mm-hmm. hair still has its color. You have a mustache <laughs> that's like that's good. Skin's a little clearer. Yeah, like everything. I was like, you look like you're eating good. You drink like, <laughs> like I just like, damn. It's it's all about that clean mountain air, boys. It's like, <laughs> <what if> you <laughs> just get outside of that. Up in the Rocky Mountains. Because yeah, he's got to be at least 50 years old. Because they said he was a Gulf War vet, which I think that was 1990 to 91. Something like that. It only lasted a few months. So mm-hmm. he was 18 there. He'd have to be like 
51 maybe if his birthday if he really had his birthday in 2023 if he was born in 72 so yeah he looks he looks uh, a lot but i got the mustache so i don't know if i like the mustache i don't know i like them i like them and i normally it's don't okay. like just the mustache i was like this suits you it looks okay i like it more than the mullet he does kind of he's kind of rocking the mullet there a little yeah. bit yeah i doesn't really agree with him if you ask me all the denim yeah. yeah, he's a denim warrior. <laughs> he's in that Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, well, they are filming in Canada, so there you go. Maybe that's what they mm-hmm. to film in Canada. They're like somebody has to wear this. They have Whole to do it. Holy Levi's suit. Yeah. yeah, it's part of the law up there. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Someone, someone I know pointed out that um, you know this town is supposed to be like it's supposed to take place in the real life location, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Which and someone pointed out like the community of Jackson that we see in the show. Looks nothing like the real life Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So, like, there's there's a bit of a run, recurring theme here. Like, ten miles west of Boston in episode three looks nothing like a central Massachusetts. Like, there's no way there's that many mountains. So, yeah, there's a bit like if there's one area this show is lagging in a little bit, it's the setting, I guess. Like the, the you know real life compared to where the show setting is, but. Hey, that's a minor complaint. Yeah, Jackson Hole is a very popular place for like ultra rich Mm -hmm. Phil Jackson, the famous basketball coach. I think he lives up there. Oh, no, he lives, is it Montana or Jackson? I can't remember if it's up there. But a lot of people have places there. It's a big retreat for the ultra rich to get away. Take that. Now it's a communist haven. Very (laughs) poetic. There you go. Ultimate revenge. All right, inside a cabin slash dining hall, Joel and Ellie cram down food while Tommy and Maria, the woman who asked Joel's name, watch. Ellie sees a girl watching her from a distance, and Ellie yells at her, but Maria says the kids aren't used to seeing people that look and talk like Ellie. I don't think anybody is, at least talk like Ellie. Yeah, I was like, Mm -hmm. look, the look part, I was like, you're not used to seeing like a white girl? (laughs) what's so weird about that, her that's yeah. i was like oh, that was a weird comment but <laughs> i i do i do love like she just like stares across the room and goes what and the girl just runs ran off, her like, off what yeah. a lot of people thought that was dina people have been saying that's probably dina i think even uh neil Druckmann sort of wink wink nudge nudge was like maybe you know <laughs> so yeah so tommy says ellie and maria got off on the wrong foot and ellie says that maria's people were going to kill them Tommy says that they have to be careful who they let in this place. And when Ellie mentions the dead bodies, Maria says, those are the people who tried us. Tommy follows by saying that a bad reputation doesn't necessarily make you bad. And Maria says, not always, at least. While she stares down Joel. Mm-hmm. Oof, yeah. Subtext. Staring daggers at him, yeah. This is the part that where I was like, yeah, it feels like they're trying to draw some comparisons between those two. Like, mm. like, I don't know. It felt like, like, yeah, the, the, the common thing that Joel and Maria have is, is Tommy. Like Tommy's obviously trying to say like, oh yeah, hey, you know, just cause you have a bad reputation. Like that's, that's, that's Tommy defending Jackson and also trying to show how much he's changed to Joel. I feel like it's like, Hey, you know, we did all that shit. I forgive you. I don't judge you, blah, blah, blah. And at the same time, like, Hey, we have to do some stuff in Jackson to keep it safe so I could justify it. But like, Maria's uh, like they're kind of painting her like Joel, like how Joel was like, I murdered people, but I did it to survive. She's like, yeah, I murder people, but I do it to keep this community safe. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they would have showed the bodies. Yeah. And we also don't know what Tommy has told Maria. He could have said all that bad shit we did. Oh, that was Joel or big brother. You know, I just a little brother. I just I didn't know any better despite they're in their fucking 30s. Yeah. He could have. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you're right. I was just I was a little kid. 
Would you like thirty-four? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was just a little grown man. Yeah. We grown men. Just baby man. Yeah. Just normal men. Just innocent men. Joel then mentions that while he appreciates the hospitality, he'd like a moment with just family. However, Tommy says that Maria is family and that they are married. Dun dun dun. Ooh. Now she's really gonna be in your business. <laughs> now you can't get yeah, rid of she, her. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's really gonna be in your business and, now that you made that mistake. I'm like, uh oh. But Tommy and Maria uh, take Joel and Ellie on a tour of Jackson, which probably was like the best damn thing in the world. But, oh, yeah. you know, Maria says just a handful of people started the settlement seven years ago. And, you know, there were there are raiders and infected nearby occasionally. But the people of Jackson have learned to stay quiet and off the radar. And one way they've done that is staying off the radios, which explains why Tommy's been gone. Stay off the radios. Mm-hmm. No one will track you. Um, and, you know, at the mention of this, Tommy looks at Joel almost like an apology for not remaining in contact because, yeah, he knows he's about to hear about that shit later. And, uh, you know, Jackson has everything, a school, electricity, laundry, heat, sewers. And for Joel, they even have sheep. Wow. Yeah. Damn. And while what a coincidence, you know, like like while we get a glimpse of Jackson in the first Last of Us game, the Jackson we see in this episode is very much the Jackson of Last of Us Part Two. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. It's it's super developed and impressive community that has all the comforts, um, you know, that one could could hope for in a world um, and a place that anybody would be just fucking happy to call home. Yeah. A, A place no one really expects to see anymore in a world like this, like no one really yeah, I just I just keep coming back to the people can't people think it's not possible to live like this anymore. But in Jackson, they're proving that it's possible and that you know it, it's about as good as it gets anywhere. If you can set if you could settle down anywhere, this is the place to do it. This is realistic communism. This is not that bullshit <laughs> that they they feed you the propaganda nonsense. That's actually a dictatorship. Speaking of which, yeah, I mean Maria mentions. You know, well, Ellie asks, like, so are you in charge? And Maria says, oh, well, no, I'm on the council, though. We're we're democratically elected. We all, you know, make decisions collectively. And, you know, Tommy helps explain that everything you see here is shared. It's like collective ownership of all the resources. And Joel kind of puts (laughs) it out there. So it's like communism then. And it's so funny because Tommy Tommy at first is like, well, no, no, no. not like that. It's not not (laughs) communism. Maria, don't call it that. (laughs) But. Maria corrects and she says, well, technically, that's exactly what it is. This is a commune. We live in a commune. We are communists. And the look on Tommy's face is, wait, what? They fucked up his whole world. (laughs) The wheels are spinning and all those calculations are done in his head. I like that Joel says it almost, not with disdain, but as he looks towards Tommy. So like communism, like he knows it. Yeah. 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 It's like, he's just kind of like putting it out there like, he's yeah it's like yeah like that's right Brad he's like not really that wasn't like a scoff that Joel does like like communism no he just kind of says like curiously like like communism oh see I thought he said it more like communism is this to be like Tommy like like communism like as if Tommy was the most ardent (laughs) anti-communist maybe you know maybe had some work in the CIA or something it's it's one of those (laughs) it's it's like yeah and I I like it because it's like yeah I'm meeting my um I'm meeting my brother's um, wife now for the first time and it's like we've all mm-hmm. had that if you have siblings you have that time where you meet like the person that your sibling is is dating or with 
and you see how they act around them. And then you have to compare mm-hmm. that against, you know, like how they are around you and shit. So it's like, right. really? Communism? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They said it was a collective. They didn't say the magic words about means of production, That's material it, yeah. dialectics or anything like that. But okay, we have to walk. We have to walk before. <laughs> But <laughs> it's, a, it's a starting point. Yeah, it is. And it was an interesting <clears throat> thing, again, you know, to show in there. And they bring up, like I said, like the dictatorship that even the literal previously mentioned CIA uh, once when Stalin died and they're talking about like successor and all that, the a CIA memo actually says, like, no, it was not a dictatorship by what we refer to as dictatorships. I don't know why that's still generally in United States education, because I know it is because I don't mm-hmm. teach U.S. history anymore. But it's in there about the dictators. So I guess some things just kind of have to stay in there. So for I them to kind of so. put that out there, it's like, oh, okay, good. It's like a first among equals kind of thing is what Stalin was and what I assume Maria kind of is also. Well, it's, it, it goes to show that, like, Americans as, as, a, as a general group, like, don't have a problem with the concept of collective ownership, of communal living. It's more the word. There's just the stigma on the word when you say communism – most people have the reaction that Tommy has. Like, no, no, it's not like that. But no, it literally kind of is in some way, at least. On some oh, when you blast an entire generation with nothing but propaganda, it's uh, that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. grow, up during, grow up during the Cold War. And yeah, you'll come out it's of that. Like, generations. Yeah, yeah. But it's another thing, too. And it's whenever I like talk about it, I genuinely, generally, I should say, don't talk about it in detail unless it's somebody else who I know understands like the basic wording of it right and there's a reason why and i always ask them like are there any communist countries are there any communist economies on earth right now and the answer to that is no because you can't have it as long as capitalism exists Mm. it's why you have communist parties but it's socialist countries because you have that transition that at least if it's marxist or anything like that you have to the transition from capitalism to socialism to communism and to have communism you can't have this outward exertion if you will of capitalism, which obviously, again, if you know about the CIA and what they've been doing since 1947, you know, there is a lot of exertion into these socialist countries trying to get there. And so that's just another thing like you talked about. It's just an education thing. And in the United States, it's vastly different than for, say, like European countries. I would like to say that it was a pleasure podcasting with us because we're all going to get killed after this. Yeah, I think uh, the black SUVs are pulling up outside our <laughs> houses right now. Yeah, it was, this episode's <laughs> never going to come out. But if anyone finds this recording, just uh, know I, I, it was a pleasure. Well, speaking for myself, fuck the CIA. <laughs> I don't care. Fuck you, motherfuckers. Uh, it was good knowing you guys. I think I'll, I'll have a drink. For my, I'll have a drink with myself. all due respect. <laughs> <laughs> You're not you. You've been feeling no, okay, right, Brett? You haven't no been respect. like having any depressive thoughts, or uh, you know. well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a history major who teaches world <laughs> uh, history. Of yeah, they're going to be like, oh yeah, no, Brett was just troubled. <clears throat> he was very troubled. Shot himself twice in the back of the head. Uh, who could have seen it coming? You know, <laughs> really, I, really tragic. <laughs> I, for one, I apologize. Brett will accept the suitcase of money for my silence. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's talk mm-hmm. about baby horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So after after establishing that Jackson is technically a commune, uh, uh, Maria introduces the group to a young foal, a foal, a baby horse named Shimmer. We remember Shimmer, right? Yeah. We love Shimmer. Uh, so that was cute, uh, baby horse. And Maria also offers Joel and Ellie a place to stay. Hey, we you know the house across from us is open. You can you can stay the night there, get some rest. And uh, you know Tommy says you could do a lot worse. 
And Ellie says, trust me, we have been. And, you know, Joel gets defensive at this. Like, we've been okay. We've been doing fine. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's awkward. There's a lot of awkward exchanges going on here. Like the Joel being defensive, Ellie being defensive, because she's like kind of assuming like she, she's kind of primed to react to abandonment situations, I feel like, in this yeah. episode. Like her abandonment issues come out here. And even if you go back to where Tommy and Joel reunite, she looks uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. She's she's watching Joel and Tommy embrace, and she looks uncomfortable with the idea that, oh, he has his brother back. What if he doesn't need me anymore? Like, I, may, I might be reading too much into it, but, like, no, I'm just I... kind of thinking Ellie has her hackles up. Her defenses are raised for, I better not be abandoned right now. <laughs> so. No, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. I'd like to know how there's a house open. Everybody here that we've seen has a house to where there's open houses. Damn. Yeah. That's, that's communism for you. <laughs> there's always a house open in the in the world of communism it's uh that, everyone that, gets a plate before anyone gets seconds but for housing that's how it works. i guess it's working okay there there's no yeah. housing market in communism comrade. yeah there's no airbnbs no inflationary uh you know, like rent control no slumlords <laughs> taking so. care of literacy rates higher people in cuba now live long have a longer life expectancy than yeah. the u.s but but we get to have freedom and we get to <laughs> suck we in get that to, freedom every day. We right. get to buy out every house in a neighborhood and raise the uh, the uh, tax go. rates. And <laughs> we have the freedom <laughs> to go into debt from like breaking a finger, right. going to crippling debt. The freedom to get shot at the movie theater. Jackson yeah. is just goddamn <clears throat> un-American. It really is. <laughs> yeah, isn't that why it's good? Yeah. <laughs> That's why we love it. Oh, I can't my. wait to hear y'all's emails. Oh, my God. They're going to be so, uh, yeah, Jesus. Um, From Ron DeSantis at Florida.com. <laughs> I would like to say that this episode will never hit the airwaves in Florida. It's banned. <laughs> God. But um, so Tommy takes Joel to a bar, uh, which also they have bars. And so, like, yeah, fuck yeah. And, uh, you know, Tommy toasts. Uh, toast Joel saying like thanks for still giving a shit about me and Tommy asks Joel how Tess is doing and Joel lies she's doing fine you know just compartmentalizing when Tommy asked about Ellie he just said that she's um, some firefly high up firefly's daughter which another lie yeah it's another lie and I'm also just like the fireflies like have rich people in their ranks because I feel like a firefly has to be a collective of poor people like no, we're like I don't know, or people with no power. Like I don't, I just there's no, uh, there should be no one of influence in the fireflies. I would say. I didn't tell that to Marlene. <laughs> <I'd> say, yeah. <laughs> like so, I'm like higher up, like. <sighs> well, higher up in this post-apocalyptic world, of I don't know connections or respect. Yeah, it's it's more about power than money. Like money is obviously not a thing anymore, but there are just leaders among the fireflies that have the, you know, like you said, Brett, respect. Uh, some some people are just nor born leaders, I guess, like Marlene is. So. The coordination cross-country of Firefly seems to be difficult considering, like, Fedra is really in power as far as logistics goes. Like, mm -hmm. it seems like they'd be easily to get on their wires or whatever. I don't know. It seems, it seems like it'd be very hard to coordinate a post-apocalyptic mm -hmm. uprising across the continental United States. Especially in George Bush's America. 
<laughs> it will always be George Bush's America because this happened in 2003. Yes. W so we're, we're stuck there. Yeah. yeah. America. W put all the pieces in place to make sure that society will never move forward in this timeline and in that one. So, you know, hey. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway. Yeah. Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but moving on. Uh, <laughs> Tommy questions, um, you know, if he's doing this out of the goodness of his heart, like, you know, transporting Ellie. And Joel says that there is a payment, but mm -hmm. yeah, we are so far beyond that now. Um, <laughs> yeah, because we're here. Here Probably we are. To forget about that, Joel. <laughs> yeah, like Tommy, you're the payment technically. So boom, I've been paid. Um, and you know, Joel asks uh, if Tommy knows where the fireflies are, and Tommy says they've got a base at the University of Eastern Colorado, which is like a week's ride south. But the path there is not an easy trip. Uh, but Joel says it'll be an easy trip. Uh, with Tommy, with Tommy joining in and Tommy replies that he can't go. Joel asks if his wife won't let him and if she's the reason he quit messaging on the radio. So here we go, because like that was like, yeah, it's like, yeah, Joel. I mean, we got to remember Joel's like, what, 56? This is some like old. What does that put him in? Does that put him in Boomer? He's a boom. Yeah, Joel's a Boomer. No, that's no, he's a Gen, Gen Xer. Gen X. Oh, OK, yeah, he's one of those like older gen x yeah, yeah the older gen x like leaning boomer remark because it was like oh what you can't do anything your wife got you well yeah. is yeah. isn't it gonna be everybody either die or live long enough to become the boomer true like everyone's everyone gets older and it's just like oh shit Joel, you're sliding that is what they say boomerism. it's more of a attitude than an actual generation <laughs> yeah <laughs> well joel has boomer energy yeah joel has flickered into that boomer energy with that comment because that Ooh. was a that was like a that was a sexist comment. Oh, I could hear the whoosh, whoosh. yeah. Like you might as well just done that from like 1997. Yeah, <laughs> Did your wife keep you from going out here. I'm like, oh god, here we go. You whipped. Tommy states that after he ditched the fireflies, Maria and her group found him, took him in, and all he had to do was follow their rules. Tommy says they have to be careful so that the wrong people don't find them. And Joel counters, asking if he's the wrong type of people. Joel says the things he did back then were to protect them and keep them alive. And Tommy says that they both did those things and they weren't things. They murdered people. And this, again, is something in here to get into. They keep saying this. They keep saying this. And I don't think we're ever going to see it. But they're really kind of using this as almost like a cudgel to say Joel is bad. Joel did really fucking bad things. Those bad things in Kansas City that were going to be done to them by Brian and those other two. Yeah. He did those things, if not worse. Yeah. Yeah. All the way to Boston. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. No kidding. They would have done it. Yeah. They had a, their little march to Boston of Joel and Tommy. I guess they said Tess also. Yeah. yeah. They From Texas to Boston, just trail of blood. <laughs> yeah, just uh, their own little march through the south <laughs> up there uh, through Appalachia. Tommy doesn't judge Joel for what they had to do to survive, but he knows that there were other ways. They just weren't good at them. Mm. Yeah. It's it, the 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 pent up uh, frustration of years of of conflict between them, you know, is kind of starting to break through here. the The joy of being of seeing each other again has worn off now, and like now they're getting into their conflicts. And uh, this was this was an interesting scene because uh, I think Tommy wants to put you know certain things behind him, but obviously Joel doesn't put things behind him very well, and he's you know he's kind of like a he has expectations for Tommy and Tommy's not living up to them. And so Joel's getting angry. So he's, you know, he's like kind of 
complaining. Like I, I, after what I've been through to get to you, you're going to like blow me off like this. And Tommy then lets it out that he's going to be a father. And that's why he's sort of on, he's hesitant to go anywhere with, with Joel at this point. And he said, you know, he's like, I have to be more careful. I'm going to be a dad now. I'm scared. I, I, you know, it's, it's natural to have these kinds of reservations when you're about to start a family. And when he, upon hearing that he's going to be an uncle and, you know, Tom, uh, you know, Tommy's expecting a kid, Joel really withdraws. He, oh, he's you know, this hits him. Dick. Yeah. He, <laughs> he gets, he gets rude. It, it, it just, it, it sets him off. Like, uh, you know, when Tommy says, I think I'll be a good dad, Joel just says, I guess we'll find out. You know, just like, <laughs> yeah. not, not exactly being very supportive <laughs> of your brother right now. It's kind of awkward. Oh, shit. And, that is, that is know. the top, that is top 10, 10 shittiest things I think I've seen on, <laughs> on TV. Just, just, I yeah. guess, guess we'll find out while taking a, harsh. while taking a swig of your brother's whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that was really harsh. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Tommy doesn't take that lying down. He's like, you know, what's your, what's your problem? You know, is that all you got for me? And, uh, he then, he then drops a bomb on Joel. He says something pretty cutting here. He says, just because life stopped for you doesn't mean it has to stop for me. And this shuts Joel up almost entirely. He just kind of like stops in his tracks and he goes quiet, gets really stern and just says, we'll be out of your hair tomorrow. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll take some supplies and we'll leave. Um, and be on our way. So again, Joel leaves this situation, not getting what he needed and, you know, his feelings kind of getting the best of him in this situation again, just like with the older couple earlier. And as he leaves the bar, he collapses, grabs his chest again, and he sees a girl, he sees a young woman from behind who reminds him of Sarah, kind of looks a lot like her. And he, you know, freezes, he's paralyzed by his feelings and by what he's seeing. Um, and as he kind of continues watching and walking toward this scene, the girl turns around and he realizes that's not, that's not Sarah. So he's, uh, he's losing it a little bit. <laughs> he's, he's slipping. He's uh, not doing good. Yeah. Panic attack to seeing someone that looks like your daughter. That that's like, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's karma for what he said to his brother. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. It's definitely still showing that Joel still hasn't processed his trauma from 20 years ago. Or the grieving process of it. And I think that right. also goes back to something that's tough for us as an audience and tough for the show is to these characters 20 years ago yeah. is when this happened, when Sarah died. And then I don't remember the year that Tess and Joel went to Bill and Frank's to eat that one time. Was that like 2011 or something? Something like that. Either way. So yeah. since Tommy wasn't there, I think we can now infer that. Tommy was gone before that. So now mm. it's been 12, 13, 15 years since he's seen them. But mm-hmm. for us, it's only been six weeks since we last saw Tommy, yep, since right. we last saw Sarah. And so we have to put ourselves in there and the show kind of has to show us that way of doing it. And so clearly, I think Tommy had given up that Joel was dead or he was just like, I'm never going to see him again. And he has processed everything they did. Yeah, He's okay with it. And Joel coming back, while it's great to see your brother again, is now bringing that back up with just, oh, shit, I thought that life was done. And now I'm mixing this past life pre-pandemic or pre-outbreak, early outbreak, and now in a way like post with his new life here in Jackson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Back to Ellie, we see that she has taken a shower and Maria has left her fresh clothes, a diva cup, to which Ellie says, oh, gross, and a note saying that she is across the street. 
Ellie goes to Maria's house and sees a blackboard on a mantle that states the names, date of birth, and date of death of Kevin and Sarah, with two candles in front, a memorial for the children that have been lost. After seeing this, Maria comes in, gives Ellie a jacket, and proceeds to give Ellie a haircut. She doesn't clean up the hair either, like later on before they leave. As she does this, the two talk, and Maria tells Ellie she was an attorney before all this, and Maria says she liked cutting hair, adding that it must be a mom thing. Maria mentions the memorial, and Ellie apologizes for the loss of the kids, but Maria says only Kevin was her kid, and that Sarah was Joel's daughter. Ellie's shock shows she didn't know about Sarah, and that explains Joel a little bit. Yeah, that was a uh, nice, that was a nice little scene. Um, yeah. But like, and so, so Maria says, uh, Maria says she won't ask Ellie what she and Joel are doing together, but she has her concerns. Uh, Ellie states she knows Joel used, you know, Joel used to kill people, but now he doesn't kill the innocent ones anymore. <laughs> and then retorts that Tommy used to do it too, asking if Maria is worried about him. And then Maria mentions, which is this was kind of unfair. Maria mentions that Tommy was just following Joel. Like we mentioned, they were probably like thirty. Like so, it's They're like grown men, like yeah, yeah making their own decisions. <laughs> yeah, like we, yeah. they were old, old as fuck. So it's like, yeah, right. you know, you made a conscious choice. You could could have yeah. objected. So yeah, she mentions that like Tommy's just following Joel and and um, the way Ellie is following him now. And then Ellie says that maybe she's smarter than Tommy, which might be true. And Maria says it's, you know, it's good that um, Ellie Maria says that it's good that Ellie has things that she won't tell her. And uh, Ellie should be careful who you put your faith in. The only people who can betray us are the ones we trust. Yeah. It's it's interesting the way, you know, Maria sticks up for Tommy, but looks down on Joel, even though they've been through similar things. Uh, it's, I think one of the themes that this episode is trying to get across here is that when you love someone that does create a bias. Oh, hell yeah. You're like you're not going to be impartial to someone you love. So like, of course, Maria would stick up for the man that she made her husband and, you know, she's expecting a kid with and the man that the, the, the her husband's brother, who she, she's never met until today, but has only heard an admittedly biased, maybe, you know, skewed report of like, oh, my brother put me through hell and I have nothing but nightmares from those years. It's a line I'll get to later. But like, of course, that she, of course, she's going to be impart, uh, not, uh, not partial about that. So, uh, or she's not going to be impartial about that. So, yeah, it's like, and, and Allie's the same way. She's, she's biased toward Joel because he's the one who's looked out for her this whole time. And so, there's there's this discussion or the, there's this exploration of you know when you care about someone are you are you taking them for all of that they are or are you overlooking certain things and choosing to trust them so it's a it's interesting dynamic there and I, I think to Lawrence your point the way Maria and Joel kind of have similar qualities to them kind of plays into that as well both stubborn motherfuckers yeah, absolutely so after this, after this uh, tense one-on-one between Ellie and Maria, they they go to the movies together, where uh, they're showing a classic called "The Goodbye Girl," and you know it's like it's it's cool, it's cute because it's like this community thing where everyone in town seems to gather together and watch a movie together, and it's it's nice, it's fun. And um, Ellie notices that Maria and Tommy are having a conversation, and then they separate, and we then cut to Joel in a, looks like a workshop, kind of like a leather working shop 
and he's trying to fix his shoes. <laughs> I guess the duct tape didn't hold up, I guess. I don't know. Um, and Tommy comes in uh, and gives told, sorry. Tommy comes in and gives Joel a new pair of boots, saves him the trouble. And it's kind of like an apology. Like, hey, here's my boot. Here's some new boots. Sorry about what I said. Here's some Tim's. Uh, <laughs> here's like here's a pair Tim's. of Thursdays for you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, and Tommy wants to come clean or Tommy wants to clear the air. Like, Hey, I'm sorry about what I said earlier. I don't even, I don't, I don't even believe it. Um, just kind of, they're trying to mend bridges and, but, but Joel sticks to business. He wants to know about this, uh, route between Jackson and, uh, the university of Eastern Colorado, which Tommy mentioned earlier, possibly being a firefly base. And Joel asks, Hey, this trip to Colorado, is it, is it safe? Is it a suicide mission? Do people come back? And Tommy says, well, yeah, no, it's, it's not safe, but nothing you can't handle. And, you know, we've sent people that way and they've all come back. It's okay. And then Tommy's like, what's this about? You know, like what's, what are you getting at? And that's when Joel finally shares to someone else, which is the first time he's done this. He admits to someone else that Ellie is immune. And I like, I like this detail. Tommy looks out the, out the door, the front door to make sure no one's like, you know, at the front door listening in before he sits down and says, tell me everything from the beginning. As we hear Joel tell the story of what he and Ellie have been through so far, we see Ellie walking the empty main street of Jackson by herself. Back to Joel and Tommy, we see that Ellie having to shoot the kid back in Kansas City still weighs heavy on Joel, that he was too slow and too deaf and he should... That he was too slow and too deaf and that he should be the one protecting the 14-year-old, not the other way around. Joel also says how he watched Henry kill Sam to protect her while Joel just watched. Even when the dog sniffed Ellie earlier that day, Joel couldn't move in the situation, stuck in fear. Joel asked Tommy if he still thinks he can handle the trip despite all this. Even though sometimes he feels like his heart is going to stop, Joel tearfully says he has dreams every night and while he can't remember them, every day he wakes up feeling like he lost something. Joel feels like... He's even falling. Joel feels like he's even falling in his sleep, and that's all he's ever done. Yeah, that was a. This was a good. This was a good scene because like he broke down in tears. It was like it was yeah. such an emotional mess. It's like you can tell Joel can't make sense of any of this shit. But like this is the first time we've seen him talk about his feelings. Like, and yeah. he, of course he does it with Tommy because he's not gonna open up with anyone else. Tommy's the only person that actually knows everything that Joel's been through intimately. Yeah, and and mentioning Sarah to someone else in the first time for the first time in probably twenty years or something close to that, because uh, yeah, like I keep failing her. That's all I've ever done. Like he's admitting that he's never stopped thinking about how he lost Sarah that night and that he dreams about it every night. So yeah, uh, for him to say this out loud, it's a lot, and obviously it weighs on him with the emotion on his face and in his voice, like it's cracking and he's in tears. Yeah, it's this was powerful. He also knows that Tommy, you know, loves Sarah too, that while that wasn't his daughter, they were super close as evidenced yeah. by that memorial with Maria's son. And it's essentially Tommy's niece mm -hmm. that he still thinks of her as something like that close to him. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I found interesting about this scene is when he talks about like killing the kid and or Ellie shooting the kid in Kansas City. He was like, if I was five years younger, I would have, uh, you know, they wouldn't have been able to get the jump on me. I wouldn't have been too destroyed him. Yeah. yeah. And so like Joel is technically in the show is five years older than what he was in the game. Ooh. Yeah. So I just like, I was like, Oh yeah, that's a, I was like, that's a little, uh, 
little like nice point there. I was like, ah, Joel, if you had been the actual age you were in The Last of Us, <laughs> controlled by me, you would have destroyed that that kid, and I wouldn't have needed a fourteen year old to see. If it was the Troy Baker version, yeah, the Troy Baker version, <laughs> a total decimation of of that teenage person. But it's also it's also something that gamers need to like let the fuck go that this is not a fucking video game. Yeah, like, the whole point of like a video game, and it's a big thing. And there's definitely issues with it. Is this a power fantasy? Yeah. And it has to draw out. You have to be able to do things in a game to drag out the time. Wouldn't be fun to walk somewhere for 15 minutes and kill like three people. Yeah. You have yeah. to have those almost set pieces in doing it. This is a realistic show. That's why we like HBO in particular. That's why we like TV and film. It's a fucking 56 year old man <laughs> who was a contractor, as we find out. That's hard fucking labor. Yeah. And he spent the last 20 years post apocalypse fighting for his life this is not a normal 56 year old now this is who god knows how old he his body is yeah yeah oh yeah no 100 plus he's got the weight of all of the deaths on him so yeah forget uh, about the mental stress just yeah. the physical <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah really yeah so man <laughs> and the stress that he's carried from blaming himself for his daughter's death 20 years ago yeah yeah he is unwell definitely get some therapy joel God. <laughs> impossible men men will do anything than go to therapy they'll take girls halfway across the country <laughs> rather than go to therapy I, jackson has everything else it probably has a therapist i would imagine because like look at tommy <laughs> he seems like pretty good like tommy looks like he's actually been going to therapy they'll just they'll just ask somebody really old hey did anybody watch frazier the show frazier oh i oh, watched yeah. them all Love okay you're, you're now the psychiatrist yeah yeah, yeah you, you just yeah just do what he did on that show it worked for tommy i mean his hair looks nice his skin is clear he's got a mustache therapy works yeah, for everybody under 30 frazier was a sitcom back in the 90s <laughs> that Ask was a psychiatrist from seattle yeah. <laughs> it's the most cheeky show that was ever made so uh Tommy asks if he wants him to take Ellie, and Joel says he knows he's going to get her killed. Joel thinks he has to leave her to save her and mentions that isn't that why Tommy left? Uh, or isn't that why Tommy left Joel? She says to make up for the things that they did. Well, here is Tommy's chance to bring his child into a better world. That is a a lot of guilt. That is a huge guilt bomb. But hey, manipulation to the max. Tommy, there. abandon God your damn. wife and your kid to take this kid that you just met today to see the fireflies and uh, and take it <clears> off <throat> my hands for me because like you definitely won't die. Um, Seriously. And so like guilt's Tommy into it, and Tommy's like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll do it. I will like literally fuck up my family right now. Uh, because you know, Joel also adds the the, the sprinkles in the added bonus. So you can't tell your wife. Oh, like this is like I'm like, dude. If you have been going to therapy, this is what they call a red flag. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Don't tell your wife. Yep. <laughs> Don't tell your wife. <laughs> I like. Ooh, I don't know, man. I gotta go. But uh, <laughs> Joel, you know, Joel knows that um, you know if anybody sees Ellie's bite, that they'll they'll shoot her. They'll put her down. Um, Joel, you know, swears as he cries, like, this is the last thing he'll ever ask. So you better live. <laughs> so Tommy, Tommy says that he'll take Ellie out at dawn. The brothers head out for the night as Joel heads back to where he's staying. Well, Tommy heads back to the movies where Maria can tell something has changed, mainly because he doesn't walk up to his pregnant wife. He just sees her, makes eye contact and then turns around. 
Mm. Soulmates, they know each other. So as Joel gets back to the house that he's staying in, he sees that Ellie's light is still on and uh, he goes up to talk to her. He finds Ellie reading a journal that uh, had been left behind by someone from uh, the before time, from before the outbreak. And she's, you know, reading this diary uh, from some teenage girl probably. And she's remarking on the amazing fact that people before the outbreak only had to worry about things like, you know, the boys at school and what they were going to wear and, you know, what music was out. And uh, this you know, pulled straight from the game. It's a great, it's a great scene. Uh, it's starting out strong already. And uh, Ellie is also cold toward Joel and kind of asks him bluntly, why are you still here? If you're going to ditch me, then just go ahead and ditch me. And so Joel has, <laughs> he puts two and two together and he realizes, oh, she must have overheard his conversation with Tommy. And he asks, what exactly did you hear? And she says, I heard you say, I have to leave her. You have to take her. And, you know, she she looks exasperated. She looks frustrated. Like, I stood up for you today with Maria. Uh, I stood up for you to her. And uh, she doesn't finish that thought, though. She kind of says, I, I stood up for you because. And then she kind of trails off. And I, I think what's unsaid there is that, you know, I stood up for you because I trust you now. You, you, you have looked out for me. I've looked out for you. It's, it's been a bond. It's been a bonding experience, not a good one, not a healthy one. It's been, you know, obviously painful and tragic in a lot of ways, but they have bonded and that's why she stuck up for him. Um, but he's, Joel is adamant though. He has put his foot down telling Ellie, you know, this is for your own good. You'll be better off with Tommy. You'll, you, you don't want to be around me anymore. I'm bad news. I won't be able to keep you safe. And Ellie demands to know, like, do you give a shit about me or not? He says, well, of course I do. And says, well, then what are you so afraid of? And here's the big moment. She says, I'm not her, you know. And she reveals that she knows about Sarah. And I, this was, this was heavy because in, in the game, we had that iconic line, you are on some mighty thin ice here. But here in the show, Joel just says, don't, don't say another word. It's, it's cold, it's blunt, it's to the point, it's, it's quiet. He's not raising his voice yet. He just says, no, don't, don't say another word. Yeah, that was... <sighs> Chills, uh, man. Yeah, this was the scene from the game. So, like, this was, like, the scene that shows that, like, they have are formed some sort of relationship together and, and that they're, you know, that they, they're, that, like, Ellie actually, um, you know, looks at Joel as, like, a father figure. And uh, I think they nailed it. I thought it was good. Yeah, it was great. And it shows that despite all the time spent together, they're still not that close. Yeah. As close as we want them to be. Yeah. 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 Because they still have the the whole compartmentalizing thing. And uh, I mean, just this journey, just the shit that they've seen. I mean, like we said, at the beginning of this thing opened up with someone shooting themselves in the head. So like, yeah, like that was just, you know, tech, that was just last episode's problem. It's been right. a wild roller coaster of nonsense but at least on a lighter note is at least reading that journal you know and she's talking about oh is this what they had to complain about it seemed like a very much it's like almost ellie's version of a not like other girls kind of thing where it's i'm not like other (laughs) girls i don't care about boys or stickers pick me (laughs) i care about the cordyceps vaccine and spinalizing young men in kansas city I'm, I'm not, not like, like hashtag <laughs> not like other girls. <laughs> oh my god! 
Yeah, I had that to say, but I'm like, I can't say that right after Connor covered that like real <laughs> thing. I'm like, no, I better let, I better, you better lay that low a little bit. <laughs> you picked your moment right. You yeah, picked I'm like, your I can't well. do it right after Connor. <laughs> do it. But you know, well, never mind. I guess it was kind of in the middle of it. So Ellie apologizes for Joel losing his daughter. But Ellie says she's lost people too. Joel says, you have no idea what loss is. And Ellie, knowing Joel doesn't have a monopoly on pain, says everybody I've cared for has either died or left me. Everyone fucking except for you. And she pushes Joel. And this is always something too. Like as Joel's saying that, I'm like, Joel, you don't fucking know. Yeah. You don't know her. Like since you have known her, everybody she's known has died, which would just literally be Tess, Henry, and Sam. But it's like, dude, you don't like, I don't know when people say maybe because I've watched so many shows like this, it is something where you should always think that so bad stuff has happened to you. You're not the only fucking person and you don't know people's history. Yeah. That boomer energy. That's that's it's it's a character flaw. You know, Joel can't see past his own pain. That's that's just one of his flaws. That's one of the things we like about him. It's texture. You know, it's like when it's like when uh, like an older person tells you that you don't know how you haven't lived yet because like they're (laughs) older than you. And like, trust me, I've been around the block. I'm like, yeah, who? So the fu- I have no feelings, I guess. Like I'm a robot yeah. until I'm 60. But that <laughs> that is something as I deal with teenagers every day that I do mm-hmm. tell them. And I actually had a kid. He was having a hard day and he had to go like walk around. And he asked me in a roundabout way, basically saying that he was having an issue with like a girl. And I'm like, dude, however you feel is fine. It's good. Be sad if you're sad. Otherwise, I go, just know that so much of this shit is not going to fucking. I didn't say fucking. I was like, it's not going to matter. <laughs> As you get older, and I said it again today, some girl told me today, it was her birthday. Her boyfriend broke up with her one hour before dinner Oof! on her birthday. Wow. And she was like, yeah, I cried. I was like, you know what? I go, I'm sorry for it. Cause I started laughing. I'm like, that's kind of, like, <laughs> I'm not really, I, well, cause it is, it's fucking funny. And she was <laughs> good with it. Now it happened like last week or something. And I told her, I go, you know what? It's going to suck. You're going to feel embarrassed. I go, but you now have a story. You will tell you till you die. Yeah. And people are going to laugh and you're going to talk about it with your husband and your kids or future boy, whatever. I go, that's a really mm-hmm. fucking funny story that you're going to be able to have. And it's just stuff like this doesn't fucking matter. And so that right here is kind of thing like you talked about. I don't ever tell them like, oh, y'all are young. It doesn't matter. But I do tell them so much of this high school bullshit you're not going to care about. You're just going to laugh yeah. and be embarrassed about later. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's like some pain, you know, some pain hardens you in a good way. Yeah. And it's like it's it's it depends on how you process it and how you move forward. Like we see that in this episode with Tommy, like Tommy had the same shit happen to him that Joel did. And it was how he moved forward eventually when he could, you know, that like shaped him into what he is right now. Joel hasn't moved forward. He had he is mm-hmm. stuck in that same, you know, he's he's he time stopped moving for him. Yeah. Yeah. And some things are more like there. She continues, so don't tell me that I'd be safer with somebody else, because the truth is I would just be more scared. Oh, she's opening up, lowering her guard. Mm-hmm. Joel replies, you're right, you're not my daughter. For fuck's sake, Joel. <laughs> and I sure as hell ain't your dad. This was the Han Solo, like, I love you. I know. I know. <laughs> Total well, pimp answer. Yeah. <laughs> no, Shut this, up, baby, I know it. This is, no, this is worse. This is him saying, not only do, it's not, it's not an I know, this is, yeah, no, you're not my daughter. Yeah. Like, this is the opposite. This is the harshest thing. Was this too harsh for it, y'all? Yeah, it was harsh. It was harsh. It, 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 this was beyond tough love. so harsh. 
Like, I get it. He was trying to break the bond. Like, this is the go on, yeah. get. But, like, this is <laughs> dog this running is away. Airbud. Yeah. 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 Airbud trying to, you know, get rid of the dog. Like, go on. No one wants you here. Wait, yeah, that just... happened in Airbud? Yeah. It did? Oh. And, and Harry and the Hendersons. It's kind of a kind of a trope. What about Air Buddies? I don't think I, I don't think I've seen that one. Well, I haven't either. But wasn't there one called Air Buddies where it's like puppies? I don't know. What about the What about the monkey that could play hockey? Did they do it to him too? I don't too? fucking know. Not the monkey that could play hockey. God damn it. God. Uh, MVP, most valuable primate. You're making that up. That's not uh, Google, real. Google it right now. What? While no. I finish the rest of this, you Google it. Oh my god. Uh, not my dad sure saying your dad before saying that they're going their separate ways. After this moment, Joel thinks back to decorating the Christmas tree with Sarah, remembering the daughter he lost after choosing to abandon the closest thing he's had to a daughter since. Yeah. Had a, had a bit of, bit of regret there, Joel. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, the next morning, nobody watched, uh, most valuable primate, but you know, the, 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 the next morning. Ellie. I, I googled it and it's a real movie. Yeah, You're right. I, I know. I, I couldn't believe it. And what's 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 it about? What's the cover? <laughs> it's about a monkey who plays hockey. <laughs> a monkey playing hockey. No, sorry, not a monkey. Not a chimp. Not it a is monkey. a chip. Wait. Yeah, it's a chimp. Isn't a chip a type of monkey? A chimp yeah. is a member of the great apes family. Oh, you're monkey. right. It's an ape. Yep. Okay. Well, yep. fuck me. <laughs> Sorry, go I on. I forgot. Chimps though are like ninety nine point like three or ninety nine point seven percent the same DNA as us. So, so should, well, uh, to all yeah, you chimps listening out there, my fucking bad. So Soon. should I should I be drinking during this? Because <laughs> I just I just I just need to know. Should I, I be? Said I am. I've got my water. That counts as drinking. Yeah, I have coffee. I have coffee and water. I think I should hit the whiskey so yeah. I can. I Look, can mine's approve. a full proof. It's hundred fourteen proof. So. I have an empty stomach right now. I shouldn't. Pro- I probably shouldn't drink until Dude. I have some have some food. I've so. got an empty stomach and a full bladder. So if you uh, thought yeah, I was yeah, wheels yeah. off already, it's only going to get. <laughs> All right. All right. Holy More chaos. Uh, this is a good spot to take a break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. So uh, now that we're back from uh, that exciting, um, what was the major league chimp thing? Or goddamn most it. valuable primate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now that now that I'm back from from watching most valuable primate, uh, <laughs> let's 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 continue. Uh, <laughs> the next morning, Ellie has her stuff ready to go as she waits in her room. She hears a knock on the door and Tommy walks in. She takes a second, recognizes that this is her new traveling companion and leaves with him. When they get to the stable, Joel is there prepping a horse because of course Joel is there. He's an old 
man, softy. Ellie asks if he came to say goodbye, and he says no. I came here to steal one of these horses and go. Then Joel says to Ellie that she deserves a choice. He actually says like he was going to steal a horse and then it's been 30 minutes. And so now he's just like, listen, you deserve a choice. And before he could even finish the argument as to why uh, Tommy is a better companion than he is for Ellie. Uh, Ellie says, let's go and uh, Mm -hmm. let's go to Joel. And then um, that kind of just forces him to get on the horse. So basically, Joel is just kind of grandfathered in to be with Ellie. And it's just like it just shows that she doesn't share any of those those same concerns. She is happier. She feels safer. And um, the trip is going to be more enjoyable if it is with Joel because they have that connection. Hmm. Also, it's fucking awkward. Tommy is like about to be a dad and doesn't want to do this shit. He's guilted into this trip. It's going to be the most like just shitty road trip ever. Yeah, so this is a huge relief for him. Yeah. Definitely, he's like, "Well, I get, I get to stay here. That's great." And my <laughs> so. wife, I mean, Tommy's about to turn around. And like, my wife's about to whoop my ass the second I, <laughs> I come. We're even this. thinking about doing this. Yeah, like he's like, "When I come back, I'm about to get it." Like, I was like, "Dude, you're you are about to fucking get it when you get home." He's giving up his family to go on this road trip with a disobedient girl. That's it's like, like, oh, because of his, because of his like estranged brother. So when he gets right. gets back, she's gonna be like, "Really, motherfucker." <laughs> this broken down brother who then has to be in town with his wife I'm like yeah that's gonna work so instead of instead of giving up his you know comfortable home life in jackson tommy just gives up his gun he's, uh, that's all he's losing in this bargain his, yeah. uh, his hunting rifle yeah his better version of better hunting rifle than joel had like so oh man and what he gives joel he gives him a remington 700 bolt action hunting rifle beautiful piece of hardware with a variable power scope on it Sorry, a bit of a gun nerd coming out again, but this thing, this thing's a masterpiece. So Joel's uh, Joel's packing heat now, it, but no, it does look almost identical to the one he had earlier. So maybe it isn't. He called a huge Tommy out. That Tommy, you know, Tommy's like, oh yeah, they just kind of wander on down here, you can headshot him from half a mile away, and Joel's it's like, a turkey you shoot. can't fucking do that. I'm like, shut the fuck <laughs> yeah. up. Get shoot from half a mile away. It's yeah, which is weird because he's the one trained, assuming he's a combat vet. From the Gulf War, yeah. you would yeah, think really. Tommy would be the sharpshooter. Well, he did cap that one soldier in episode one who shot Sarah, but that was like five feet away. Yeah, so he body shot exactly a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was just the one. That's right. It was just the rifle. Just the one, yeah. just yeah. a single, or maybe, yeah. Was, was that yeah, a, that was a, a bolt action, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was like the same type okay. of rifle. Yeah. And he was also a firefly, so like, you know, he was in a militia. Who knows how many bodies he stacked up as a firefly? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And, and if we go by room. Last of Us 2... Tommy, he did teach Ellie how to to. Uh, shoot. Tommy's a fucking dead eye in part two. Yeah. yeah, Tommy, Tommy got Tommy's got some skills. All those wolves he took out in part two. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're getting out of ourselves because down the road. Speaking of rifle, uh, you know, Joel's starting to break in this new gun that uh, he got from Tommy's. Actually, teaching Ellie how to shoot it, and. You know, we see a few shots just kind of land on, you know, in piles of snow or hit trees or whatever. And Joel's trying to trying to walk Ellie through through the the techniques of uh, long range marksmanship. And she's blaming the gun, obviously. No, this thing sucks. It's not aiming right. Yada, yada. And he shows her how it's done, uh, you know, puts a hole through a head shaped target like a half a mile away or some shit like that. It's something crazy. And uh, so that was fun more bonding. It seems like they're back to normal. Like the, the fight they had the night before 
the tension between them earlier, it's almost like evaporated. Just they're back on the road, learning from each other again. It's kind of like back to the way things should be. That's what it feels like here. And they're riding together on the horse uh, on their way down to Colorado. And Ellie asks if the things in Jackson are how the world used to be run. Oh, I loved this conversation. Like, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> she's like, D- was the entire country a one big commune back then? And Joel's like, no, no. The co- what he says is interesting. Like the the country was too big for that. Like kinda, <laughs> it's it's a problem of scale. Like it's you know too you know you couldn't run a you know you couldn't run an industrialized country that way is what he says at least. Um, and then he then he breaks it down. There were basically two types of people back then. People who wanted to own everything and people who didn't want anyone to own anything, <laughs> which pretty reductive. But I mean, you know, then again, he does say that like he wasn't really either. He wasn't really a political person. He just tried to keep his head down and do his job. So, oh, you don't say you know. no shit <laughs> with those explanations. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's obviously Joel hasn't read enough theory, obviously. <laughs> But no, he just kind of like says, you know, I just did my job back then. And Ellie wants to know, what was your job? And he tells her, oh, I was, uh, I was what we called a, what we called a contractor back then. Uh, we built houses and stores and whatnot. And she says, cool. And he goes, yeah, we were cool. Everyone loved contractors. <laughs> <laughs> I, my favorite thing here is he has this sly little smirk, yeah. this little smile on his face that Ellie doesn't see. He's smiling to himself as he says, everyone loved contractors. And we all know that's fucking, that's cap. That's yeah, that absolute is, bullshit. That is super cap. <laughs> man is. Everyone hates contractors. <laughs> but man is oh, like, man. like, yeah, you're, you're building all of this. Pro- you're, you're building on land that is probably. Uh, owned by the people that you know want to own everything so it's like joel you jackass i just i just love that that conversation that's funny yeah there's there's a lot that joel should be the communist (laughs) considering he is a contractor who did back breaking labor all day and he had to do it and couldn't spend his birthday with his daughter like joel Mm -hmm. you fucking dunce again Whatever. Technically, but I, I pawn, technic- pawn of the bourgeois. Yeah, exactly. And that's but, the thing. It but is technically, just... capitalism saved his life because if he would have had the leisure, the leisurely lifestyle of someone who is involved in communism, he would have gotten a birthday cake and then turned into a mushroom <laughs> person. He would have eaten flour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what probably led to that happening and being in those factories to do all that? Gotcha. Yes. What, what, what caused the what caused the global warming that allowed the cordyceps to mutate in the first place? Capitalism. Is that what they said it was? I guess they implied okay. it. Yeah. In the first oh, okay. Episode. Did yeah. they? Interesting. Yeah, in the first scene with the scientist, he kind of theorizes what if the oh, planet if it planned. That's right. That's that, right. That's I'm right. just gonna be. So, it's implied. I'm gonna be a denier here and say that you can't spell capitalism without cap. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> As I jump into traffic. Uh, so uh, one thing that Joel says, and again, this I'm glad they put it in because I'm sure a lot of people think this erroneously as well, where Joel has this. And again, if you look up like false dichotomy, it's going to be what Joel says here. Everyone wanted to own everything or you wanted to own nothing. And again, that is another false belief of communism is you can't own anything when the biggest thing here is the definition or the difference, I should say, between personal and private property. The thing about private property, again, marks and all of that, is like banks. 
it's capital in that sense, like a factory. You don't own that because you're making money off of others' labor. That's like the private mm -hmm. property. Personal property, have at it. You can have that. You can own things. It's not like, oh, the government owns everything. That's that CIA fucking Senator McCarthy That's Red Scare up. bullshit that yep. has come out of it. Further down the road, we learn that it's taken them five days to get to the college from Jackson. Over that period, it seems that most of the barriers between these two have been lifted as both have accepted who they are in each other's lives. The college looks abandoned as the two discuss what college was like back in the day. Joel then returns to their previous conversation saying that if he can do anything after this, well, he always wanted to be a singer. Ellie wants to hear Joel sing and he refuses. But Ellie says that if she's going to save the world, the least he can do is sing for her. And smiling, he agrees. As they work their way through the campus, they see a group of monkeys that must have escaped from a lab. And as they get to a street sign, the Biomedical Sciences Building is marked with a Firefly logo. Their first sign in a while that they are on the right track. And this was something here that stuck out as, again, other thing I've been is a for, uh, former college basketball coach. I've always been in like colleges, athletics and all that. So when I saw Eastern Colorado or University of East Colorado, whatever they call it, I don't remember hearing about it. That is not a real university, at least nothing that I could oh. find in there. But they showed in there the logo of like the Bighorns. And when Go I Big saw Horns. that, when yeah. I didn't know the name of it, I'm like, oh, are they at Colorado State? Because they're the Rams and it looks like that. And they kind of have the colors. And also, did they mention that this was in Boulder or that they were going to Boulder? No, I think they just said Colorado. Okay, because I saw. I always assumed it was near Boulder, just like the just the location of it. Like, yeah, <clears throat> because I saw something that said, "Oh, they mentioned Boulder," but I don't remember it. And yeah, y'all just watched it. And Boulder is where the University of Colorado is, and they're using all this Colorado State like imagery, which were the Rams right. and look like that. And apparently, I saw something in there also that they made this look almost like Colorado State. So I don't know if someone was trolling by having all this Colorado State imagery and then making seeming like it was in Boulder or something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like, yeah, real life Colorado State is in like Fort Collins, yeah. which is near Boulder. They're like green and, and gold-ish uh, or whatever that goofy amber color or something. But yeah, it's the ram and it looks like that bighorn. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind yeah. of like a nod to it. Yeah, it's probably just like the writers of the game, like putting something in there that sounds real but isn't it's close enough though i'm not yeah, paying it's... for the to to use the <laughs> i'm not paying to yeah use they the didn't have the rights to uec i guess or... yet there's no one around and even though it seems quiet joel tells ellie it's time for the gun <laughs> get your gun out yeah. As they enter the building, it quickly becomes clear that the fireflies abandon this location as medical supplies are strewn all over the place. They find a packing list of supplies, and soon after, the duo hears a noise on the second floor. When they go to investigate, they find a pair of monkeys still in the building who swiftly run away. As they continue to look for signs of the fireflies, Joel finds a map that shows several pins heading towards Salt Lake City with a label that says St. Mary's. Mm. So, which if you played the game, you know this reference. But the one thing I was, I was, uh, I was sad about in this scene was that they didn't have the fucking scientist that got bit by the. <laughs> oh yeah. That got bit by the monkey and then had yeah. had to kill himself. He was infected. That's cool. Yeah, that would have been cool because in the game you realize, you know, you see the monkeys, like you think, oh, that's fun, that's cute. But then later you find out those are infected monkeys. And if I'd gotten close to them, like as as playing the game, like it could have been a game over right there. <laughs> so it would have been cool, like if the show had 
also had that reveal of, oh, these are infected monkeys. They killed someone already. Yes. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they did it through a tape recording. So I was like hoping they yeah. would have would have uh, done that just because yeah. to me, it was like I liked I laughed at that scene because it was like, I'm a scientist and I put my finger in a fucking cage with a monkey because like <laughs> I infected monkeys <laughs> because I was trying to show sympathy for it. And it bit me. <laughs> oh, man, that guy <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. I think they had Nolan North also play that random ass character. No, that was uh, that was Stephen Bloom actually. Oh, okay, okay. Who uh, Spike Spiegel from yeah. uh, Cowboy Bebop? They yeah. played the monkey. No, he played the guy that got no. bit <laughs> by the the guy that got no. bit by the monkey, and then was like, "Oh shit, I got like." Did, did the monkey? Over. Did the monkey have a hockey stick? <laughs> <laughs> yep, I walked into that one. <laughs> I, oh I, I walked into that one. Fun fact, these are actual monkeys, not uh, apes. Oh, there like you go. Chimpanzees. Hey, those fucking monkeys that. to me, what do I know? The, well, they, they kind of look like baboons, actually. This was the uh, most valuable like a... primate, and then it got infected. Then it, <laughs> it went from hockey to science. That should have been like the lead monkey. <laughs> it was the lead oh, scientist God. monkey. Yeah. Maybe with all that research, they turned into fucking monkeys. Uh, so they, ah. Another line they pulled from the game that landed. I like that. Yeah, so they've, Joel and Ellie, they found nothing at this lab except some abandoned medical equipment, some packing lists that, you know, imply that the people here moved away and the monkeys. That's all they found. Nothing else. Uh, And so, well, they did get the clue about St. Mary's in Salt Lake City. So, you know, they at least have a lead, but they are interrupted when they hear voices. They look out the window and they see four armed men with weapons. They look out the window and they see four men armed with weapons walking around uh looking like uh they could be they could be trouble could be could be you know uh not very neighborly <laughs> we'll see and uh they decide they should probably make a quick exit out the back entrance and so they start running out of the building back to the horse and as they're getting ready to leave Joel's attacked by one of these strangers who've shown up and the guy breaks a baseball bat trying to swing it at Joel. It, like, breaks immediately <laughs> as he swings at it. It's like, that was a fucking shitty bat you were carrying around. If it, like, shatters instantly. Because he kind of misses Joel and it hits the tree that the horse was tied to, I think. And, um, I feel like, you know, Joel, sorry. I, I, I feel like that guy was off of the, uh, the, the Joel Miller cocktail, the meth the meth juice because like he swung like i was like you broke that bat on that tree man was like swinging dude he was on either you were swinging really hard the bat was beat to shit and was about to fall apart or both he was on <laughs> hey this is deacon saint john right here oh god who, yeah. hasn't, re- who hasn't repaired his bat so uh luckily you know joel avoids getting uh getting neganed by this guy with a bat Whoa. and um, but he he gets his arms around the guy's head gets him in a headlock and breaks his neck so uh, a classic Joel Miller problem solving session in uh, you know in effect he's uh, ended th- ended the threat but unfortunately he turns around and Ellie sees a problem he's, she sees that the broken sharp pointy handle of the baseball bat has been lodged into Joel's abdomen and uh Fuck, man. When he pulls that thing out, it starts bleeding. This is bad news. Uh, and so, you know, he's Joel's in trouble. He's badly wounded. Ellie's trying to get them out of there. They get on the horse. They start riding away right as the three other guys show up, realize their friend is dead, and they come after the pair on the horse with a vengeance. Uh, Ellie and Joel ride away on the horse. She shoots at their pursuers to, you know, to get them off their backs, and uh, they narrowly escape that situation 
the splinters from the bat as they, I could just imagine Seriously. all that was left inside of him. Yeah. That's, that's tinnitus or that's an infection waiting to happen. That's yeah. That's not good. Yeah. That's don't. <clears throat> He's got the another... home run fever. It... <laughs> 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 Shit. That's so to quote Joel from episode uh, four, I think that is so goddamn stupid. <laughs> but I can't cop, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I worked at a radio station throughout college. I wanted to go into radio as a sports radio station, and what they do at times like that is they do something called laying out, where someone says something like that, and everyone else just. Like backs away from the mic to where they then go to break. <laughs> so anytime I'm like, we're gonna go to break again right here. I just back away and I'm like, that's what that's what happens. It's called laying out. Um, oh my God. Uh, yeah. Before being fucking derailed there. <laughs> if you're gonna, if this happens, you don't pull it out unless you're gonna have immediate attention. Unless you're gonna immediately yeah. wrap it, treat it. Don't fucking pull it out because this, yeah. like you said there. This shit is getting infected. And they Leave keep it in until you can stitch yeah. it up. And, and they keep it, yeah. there's no win scenario here. They have to get on the horse. It's a quick getaway. It's gonna be bouncing up and down. Like you're fucked right. anyway. And it's five but days yeah. back. Yeah, to but you're more fucked <laughs> if you take right. it out and then continue to ride on. Although it seems to be probably his instinct too to be like, get this fucking thing out of my like abdomen right here. Yeah, he wasn't thinking straight, I guess. <laughs> and what an idiot. If I get stabbed by a broken baseball bat, I'd know exactly what to do. <laughs> you know, by if I was there, <laughs> by some by some just homeless sca scavenger people, you know. What? Oh, them. By some homeless okay. scavenger yeah, yeah, yeah. people. I mean, oh, the man. That, I'm glad you brought that up. These are the most frat boy, broken ass NPC motherfuckers right here. Okay, They're just it. like wandering around, yeah. like yeah, like some hooligans or something. Yeah, like just up to no good. I was just thinking, I was like, are these people trying to be like frat boys? With no like, guns. This? Well, no yeah. guns. They are at a college. So. Yeah, that's what I mean. Where they like, we're just going to squat here. <laughs> the fireflies have left, and they're just going to relive these old, like, glory days of, like, 90s frat boys. No guns. That's fine. They're like ball camps, too. Yeah. Safe down the road. Joel isn't doing. Joel isn't doing well. And safe down the road. Joel isn't doing well and falls off the horse. Ellie runs to him and sees that he's losing a lot of blood. She begs him to get up and she cries, saying she doesn't know what to do without him. See, Ellie's just kind of being selfish, isn't it? Same thing as before. Like, she doesn't want Joel to die, but it's just because she'd be fucked, right? As she begs for Joel to get up, with Joel not moving at all, we pan out. An acoustic version of Depeche Mode's Never Let Me Down Again plays, as it did at the end of the first episode, where we learned that music from the 1980s is used as a symbol of danger. Yeah. Wow. That was a, good, that was a great callback, too. I like that. Yeah, I didn't I didn't pick that up. I will say one thing I, I noticed about this and what I thought was an, was a good change actually was that in the game, Joel falls from like a second or third level uh like walkway basically onto an exposed piece of rebar yeah. and gets just impaled. impaled through his guts. And in the show, they toned that down a little bit. It's like a less grievous wound, definitely, for a, a you know, a piece of a sharp piece of wood to pierce you maybe like a few inches in into your side 
is definitely, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I feel like that's got to be more survivable than rebar going all the way through your body. After you fall from yeah. one floor up, like this man yeah, is 56. Exactly, yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, that's, that's definitely a more reasonable thing for him to like, you know, obviously lose blood to and come close to dying to, um, but survive and come back from like, that's definitely more survivable than what we see in the game. That's what I thought at least. Yeah. And it's so. something that you can get the point across with, again, making it more realistic because it's the same right. thing with, in Game of Thrones, when Tyrion is almost like introduced, meeting like Jon Snow out in this like stable, is in the books. He's up top. He does a like backflip somersault down to the <laughs> ground. And I'm thinking, it's a good thing they cut that and they didn't have like Peter Dinklage doing a fucking somersault into there. It would have looked insane. As fun as that would have been to see. It would have been, but it would have completely taken me like, what the fuck? Is this? <laughs> just do a yeah. somersault off of there? Okay. <laughs> I think this concludes our synopsis. Uh, we got there the long way. We took the scenic so, route there, but we're at the end of uh, episode six, Kin, of uh, The Last of Us. And I guess we can just, we'll, I have a few thoughts. We'll try and make them quick. We'll just jump into them here. Um, just, you know, this was such a great episode for development. Um, you know, we, we really, ex we see a lot of ex exploration and expansion upon uh, Joel and Ellie as people here, um, you know, Joel has an arc in this, in this story, both in the game and the show, as we've seen so far. And that, um, after seeing, after seeing what happened with Henry and Sam, like, we're seeing that Joel is, uh, coming to grips with the fact that he has come to care for Ellie. Like, this is something that he's been pushing away. Like he hasn't wanted to feel that way, but I think like he's sitting with that now. Like I do care about this kid. I didn't want to, but I do. And that's scaring him. It's the, the fear that he could relive the death of his daughter, that he could suffer a loss like that again. Um, seeing that fear paralyze him was powerful. And I think just a really great uh, storytelling choice for this episode. So I just like, I really like the way that the show emphasized this theme of being afraid of getting close to someone. And because that was one of the more my favorite aspects of the game, like in the game, Joel is pushing Ellie away because he's afraid to lose her. And um, this episode did that just in a put a spin on it, though, like in a, in a, in a new way. So I don't know, just overall, I, I, I think six in a row of just saying loved it. No notes, really. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. What, what can what can you say? <clears throat> oh, yeah. No, I think what I really liked about this over the game is the fact that like. Tess is always kept as a central theme of importance in the show. Like, and, and like it humanizes Joel. Cause like in the game, mm -hmm. Tess gets rocked and like, she's just out of, out of your memory. Like I, I like you forget about Tess, especially by this point in the game, you have completely yeah. forgot about Tess. It doesn't exist. No one talks right. about her. Like it is, you know, they bring up Sarah again, but no one ever is like, hey, what about Tess? Remember that was one person, you know, you used to, you know, it's like, nope, she doesn't exist. So I, I like that. Um, it's like we see, still see after all this time, Joel is like he was affected by the death of Tess. He was affected mm -hmm. by the fact that, um, you know, Bill and Frank are, are, are gone now. And like he is afraid to lose Ellie. He's affected by Sam or, you know, the Henry and Sam situation, like, like all that weighs on him. Even the, the little, the, the kid that got the jump on him and was going to kill him. Like it all has some sort of effect. Like he's not 
this like soulless video game character, you know, that that we would would like to believe he is. It's like, hey, all this shit is like got me like he's like, I feel like I'm failing. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I'm weak. This kid is going to die and it's going to be my fault. And like, yeah, and and like that's it's like it's deep. That was that was uh, it was surprising to see him break down like he even blames him like he is so self-deprecating. He even thinks that Tommy was like trying to get away from him. Yeah. Yeah. No, the the vulnerability that Joel has been hiding over the last few episodes, like it's been simmering beneath the surface. And in this episode, we finally see it boil over, which was very satisfying. Yeah, Yeah, y'all y'all hit it on. They're about just showing that he's not a Superman, that he's very realistic, that it's not the game, Joel. And it, as I said before, by now, if people are still holding on to that, they need to let it go like completely because yeah. it's completely different medium. The one thing, the, the criticism that I have is this is the first episode where I felt a pacing issue. So much shit happened. Mm-hmm. It was just boom, boom, boom. They start off again because they take us with the headshot in Kansas City. Then it's on the road. Then they get to Wyoming. Then they get to the university. And then they get stranded wherever they are. It's the only time where I felt it just kept going at a pace that was almost a little too quick. Now, part of that is the underlying thing of there's three episodes left. Next week, apparently, might be a flashback. It looks like we're doing a little flashback. I don't know if it's going to be the whole episode or not. But if it is the whole episode, then it leaves two episodes to wind this down. And I, there's a lot that still needs to happen, whether or not it happens by by the book or by the game or not. It's the first time where I think like, oh, no, is there a chance that they're rushing to the finish line? And I'm not judging it for it yet because it's just speculation. I'm yeah, obviously yeah. not saying they're going to do that, but it's just that's in my head right now. Yeah, you're right. This was a packed episode. Like we dealt with a lot. We kind of saw a lot of locations. We changed setting a few times. So it was a. I could see that being a little jarring. Yeah, because I was like, sure. oh, the and it's funny because like I think about it, too, sometimes and I'm like, oh, damn, they threw the college part in here. But then I think back in the college part in the game and I'm like, yeah, there was a that was just like a lot of killing. It was like a side stop. You get the you got yeah. the flamethrower. You pick up. Some you just notes. kill a bunch of infected. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> about so I was like, OK, I guess this like is like this is of no consequence. And I and I'm glad they didn't like we said, it didn't have like the big firefight with the random people. But like those people were also like there's those people were also associated with um you know another story that was going to come up but i don't think that they'll probably i I don't feel like they'll connect it in the same way but like yeah if we do if all of next week's episode is just left behind then uh, they've got to cover have you all seen the run times for them yeah they get shorter with the finale being like 43 minutes or something really yes they get shorter and so i know it's so it's just this stuff is in my mind no, now that you've said that, you're right. I'm a little concerned, too, because fitting in left behind the story that happens with that, the kind of the flashback there and the winter chapter and like, you know, same like spring, basically, like that's a lot to do in three episodes. It's going to be tight. It's going to be rough. Yeah. So. And it's not three one hour episodes or yeah. it's, it's right. not even two one hour episodes at the end. It's like 50 minutes or 48 minutes and then like 43 minutes or something. It's a little concerning. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, so I guess we'll see. it's pure speculation what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like next yeah. week may only be half of a flashback 
to that. Mm-hmm. I, part of me kind of thought that maybe while you're doing that flashback of Ellie, that we get almost like a fever dream of Joel that kind of takes us back to something. And maybe this is where yeah. he can come to terms, maybe something with Sarah or connect it. And maybe this is where they will like fully, you know, bond together. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they'll run. Um, my, th- my thought, and I, don't wanna, I won't speculate on this too much, but my thought is what they might do is for the next episode is combined. I mean, I think this is basically what everybody's saying is combined the, the, the beginning of the winter arc with, with left behind in a way where it's mm-hmm. like, we're coming in and out of flashbacks as, as Ellie is like attempting to care for Joel and, you know, go through the yeah. situations. And then, so by the end of that episode, we'll probably have left behind wrapped and be at, uh, I feel like Joel will be up by the end of the next episode. Yeah, probably. That's that's my assumption. And too. then you have two more and then you just have two more episodes of because I was like, these are like all three of these points are, are like pivotal. Pivotal character development. And considering that's, what happens at the end, they they need to land it and they yeah. need to take their time yeah. with it. That can't feel rushed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. That. <clears throat> um, the only other thing I wanted to point out was just that I, I want to come back to the reunion with Tommy and Joel because uh, it was actually the one the, the the scene in this episode that hit me the hardest was just the uh, connection and how it was played uh pedro pascal and diego luna just both really leaned into the pathos of the scene like really just embraced the uh the emotion of the scene and uh no it hit me hard it was great and i also thought it was a good idea to kind of break up their reunion slash argument into two scenes because in the game you kind of have their private conversation where, you know, you kind of go over a lot of the exposition, like, oh, he, she's immune. I want you to take her. No, I can't. Yada, yada. They kind of have that back and forth in the game in one scene, really. But here they broke it up into one exchange that's kind of tense. And, you know, it's Joel saying, you owe me for this and you should do this for me. And then the second half of that conversation is a vulnerable man pleading with the only family he has left, like just really breaking himself down like i can't do this anymore i'm not who i was i'm weak i you know yada yada um i i think that was effective that was an effective choice i think like it was good that they sort of broke that up and um you know just it's it's a pattern like there's things that they're pulling from the game that they are tweaking just the right ways to fit for tv and make it better for tv so um yeah i like that a lot and side note I just want to say there was this one line from the game that I really, really like that I wish they'd used. I I wish they'd given this to Diego Luna to say, which is in the game, Tommy says in response to Joel, Joel says, like, I kept you alive all those years. And Tommy's answer to that is I've got nothing but nightmares from those years. Yeah. And I really love that line from the game Um, because Joel comes at Tommy in the game as like, I kept you safe. You owe me this. You need to do this for me. And Tommy throws it right back at him. Like, I I owe you nothing. Like, you know, you you've um you think you did me this favor for keeping me alive like that, but I you really didn't. So I don't know. That would have been cool to hear because I love that line, but um it just uh, something that stuck out to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I think in the game, Joel was more selfish, and in the show, yeah. he was more bitter. Like hmm. the show adaptation having Joel in there, he was like much more 
uh, like, like it was just bitter and rude. Cause like the things like, yeah. and I, and I like that they started off like that. It's like, they started off where they left off. Like he's got, you know, like, Oh, I'm happy to, it's like, Oh, I'm happy to see you. Ah, oh, but I have issue, you know, like I have take some issues with some of the stuff that, um, is associated with between us, just like family does. And then mm-hmm. they have a cooling off period and then they come back together and then they have an honest conversation. So I do, I appreciate it instead of like in the game where it was like, yeah, we're good. You know, like it was like, we, we came in. Yeah. We came in there. We yelled at each other like motherfuckers and then shot some people and then came back and we're like, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. So they, say they bonded over the murder of all those families. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's what it made it seem like in the game. It was like, yeah, good times. Well, <laughs> Yeah, wiping off the yeah, it's brain like, stem of an eight-year-old child that you killed to get some peanut butter. Yeah. We'll do that to you. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> God. <laughs> but no, I think I think um a uh one 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 final point I I have is that they did nail one of the most pivotal scenes in The Last of Us, which was this that mm-hmm. conversation between uh Joel and Ellie about like when Ellie really opened up. Uh, and I yeah. do like how they I do like how they did it. Like, I like how he just instead of being like you're on thin ice, I do like the it was just like, don't like don't. just just stop right now. Like mm-hmm. and and like, you know, her actually admitting like, hey, you know, I'm just going to be I'm going to be scared. Like, I'd be more scared if I was with someone else. Like, I know that Bella Ramsey and uh, Pedro Pascal were both like we wanted to hit this hard and like we lost sleep over it and, and stuff. And I think they did. They did great. Like. It's so weird to hear. Like this has been like it, it, it's it been so weird throughout this entire series to just hear lines straight from the video game that you've played so yeah, much yeah. and then see them act it out so well. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's one of the just one thing that keeps surprising me pleasantly about this game is just how well they're just adapting the material and you know, not using what doesn't work and using what does work in just exactly the right ways in almost every sense. Not, not like they're not, it's not perfect, but, um, no, yeah. The way, the way Bella Ramsey, uh, delivered everyone fucking except for you with the shove and with the, the tension and her voice cracking just a little, um, no, it was, it was all on point and like, and the way Pedro handled, you have no idea what loss is. Like they were just so in it. You know, it was, it was, I was so there. The immersion was, was, was absolute for me. So monopoly on pain, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Brett, any final thoughts on this episode you'd like to share? No, that was it. Just the pacing is the one thing, you know, yeah. I think I've ruined y'all show enough. My apologies. <laughs> oh no, this was <laughs> ruined or made better. <laughs> yeah. So Brett, thanks for coming on the show. And, uh, Introducing us to the world of history, uh, most valuable primate, and and a lot of other a lot of other facts. A Marxist theory. Yeah. Uh, Whenever you need, it's been, it's been a pleasure. History, communism, or animal-based sports movies from the nineties. That's it. But no, thank y'all for having me. Was an absolute blast. Um, yeah. Again, find me everywhere. Linked um, with that other podcast. Obviously, Winds Howling with the Boo on the Lore Party Podcast Network. So when it comes to The Witcher, mm-hmm. check that out. But yeah, uh, on the path, it was a lot of Witcher-based. We're covering The Last of Us right now. 
We are going to be covering another show after The Last of Us. We haven't announced it yet, but it is should be a popular show that people may be interested in as well. But again, uh, thank you all nice. for having me. Yes. Also, sh- thanks for coming. Shout out to Lucy too. Hey, Lucy. Yeah. I'm a, yeah, that, I, I do. I didn't even say who I co-hosted with. I co-hosted with Lucy up there, Northern Ireland. Anybody from Northern Ireland listening out there? Uh, you have a, a, not a home, a, <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. My brain is shutting down. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's the end <laughs> it, of the episode. You're welcome on the It's podcast. gone. There you go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, Lucy hasn't played the game. Um, so. She won't be listening because she hasn't played the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she won't listen to this wow. episode. In spirit, Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> In spirit out there. Okay. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.